Welcome to the Royal Ramble Wrestling Podcast on this Wednesday, July 12th, 2017, live on itsyourradio.com. I am your host, Brian Sendek. With me, as always, the co-host, Ryan Waterau. Ryan, how are you doing, my friend? Hey, Brian. I'm doing pretty good today, buddy. How about you? Doing pretty good myself. We are doing this show on a Wednesday because I'm going on vacation tomorrow. So this is going to be uh, our last episode for a little while, maybe a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll keep you guys updated to let you know when our next episode is. But yes, happy Wednesday, everybody. And we have a lot to get into. Of course, the wrestling world is always busy, always chalked up with some big events going on, with some news going around. So we have a lot to talk about within the next two hours. Of course, we got to recap what was a pretty interesting Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view that took place this past Sunday. Of course, Brock Lesnar versus Samoa Joe for the Universal Championship. Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, Ambulance Match. Some other great matches on the show. We'll give a full recap of that, plus Raw and SmackDown Live. SmackDown Live gearing up, of course, for the Battleground pay-per-view, which takes place uh, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. So we'll give our thoughts on both shows. Of course, tonight is NXT. I'm not sure... What's going on tonight with NXT? All we know is that Johnny Gargano will be making his comeback. We'll see what he has to say tonight about his situation in NXT, as well as the Tommaso Ciampa situation. Some other things going on WWE. Uh, the Mae Young Classic continues to name uh, some of their participants tomorrow on Facebook Live. All 32 participants of the Mae Young Classic will be revealed. Uh, they'll be shown live at the Full Sail crowd, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, one of the biggest names, though, that was supposed to take part in the tournament, Nixon Newell, will not be in the tournament, and we'll talk about that as well. Also, guys, Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor stuff. Yesterday, they had their first press conference together. That fight's not until August, late August, I think the 26th to be exact, but we'll give our first thoughts on the press conference uh, from yesterday. And we, got, and we have a lot of predictions to come up with you guys. Uh, of course, the G1 Climax Tournament uh, begins, I believe, this Sunday or some point next week. We'll give our predictions for who is going to win that tournament and to main event Wrestle Kingdom 12. Also, guys, speaking of Battleground, like I mentioned before, we'll give our predictions for Battleground. And some more stuff for you guys. So a jam-packed episode coming at you. Before we get into all of it, though, guys, you know the deal. Check us out. On social media, on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. Also, follow us on Twitter, excuse me, uh, Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. If you happen to miss us live on itsyourradio.com, don't forget, hit the subscribe button, check us out, iTunes and Stitcher. This episode should be up some point tomorrow, maybe later tonight. I'm not sure yet. We'll keep you updated. But again, guys, Check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. Leave us a rating. Give us your thoughts. Do we do a great job? Does our show suck? We want to hear from you guys. So check us out uh, when you have the chance. So let's get right into it, Ryan. Let's start off, of course. Great Balls of Fire took place this past Sunday. And we talked about how good the card was. And it should be good, right? It's the WWE 
they have the, probably the deepest roster in the entire wrestling world. And uh, they should always put together strong matches. But again, just looking at the match card doesn't always tell you that it's going to be a great show. Look at Money in the Bank, for example. Great match card on paper, but the show did not deliver. And I mentioned it last week on the podcast. In this day and age with WWE, what determines the show is not mostly the wrestling. The wrestling always does happen to deliver. It's usually the booking of these matches. And that was my concern going in to Great Balls of Fire, especially with the way Raw has booked their shows as of late. They've not been that strong. So I had my doubts that this pay-per-view was going to be a success. And I will give WWE the credit that that they deserve. They put together a very solid show this past Sunday. Mostly because, yes, the matches were good. But for the most part, again, the booking decisions made a lot more sense on this show than in years than in excuse me shows past. And we'll start right off of course with the main event match between Brock Lesnar and Samoa Joe, a match that we've been talking about ever since the match was fully announced when Samoa Joe won the opportunity to fight Brock Lesnar. We've been talking about this match and how WWE just cannot screw this up and they've done a tremendous job of course for the past month hyping up this match, building up Samoa Joe to be this dangerous credible opponent for Brock Lesnar but again you still have those fears that WWE Vince McMahon specifically was going to go back to his old ways of Brock Lesnar and have him squash another opponent and that was still my fear but finally Vince WWE came to their senses and they basically said no we're gonna let Samoa Joe actually give Brock Lesnar a pretty damn good fight and that's what we got uh it wasn't the best of matches but I mean, that's the best you're going to get from Brock Lesnar, all right? That's the reality. Uh, Brock Lesnar, for the most part, his matches are him dominating his opponent. And just look at it. When he took on Seth Rollins, when he took on Dean Ambrose at WrestleMania, his match with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, every other full-timer that Brock Lesnar has faced ever since CM Punk, he is squashed, all right? The only guys that have been able to compete with Brock Lesnar are the part-timers, and that, of course, is Goldberg, and that's The Undertaker. So... You should have the right to fear that they're going to have Brock Lesnar squash Samoa Joe, but they did not. Right out of the gate, before the bell rang, Samoa Joe attacks Brock Lesnar, throws him on the outsides, beating the shit out of him. Bam, puts him through the announce table. Right out of the gate, nailed it with Samoa Joe taking out Brock Lesnar. Bell rings. Back and forth action. Brock, of course, got his suplexes, which he didn't go over the top. He only hit around five, six suplexes, which is fine. If it was 10, 13, that's just absurd. But overall, physical matchup, I'm really, really happy they gave Samoa Joe the opportunity to put a whooping on Brock Lesnar. I mean, was it the best whooping? I will not say that uh, because I thought after Samoa Joe took out Brock Lesnar early in the match and when the match actually began, only Samo- the only thing Samoa Joe really did was try to hit the Kikina Clutch and that's pretty much it. And that was one of the problems I had with the match is that, you know, especially the ending where Samoa Joe continually trying to get the Coquina Clutch. He can't get it on Brock Lesnar. And then Brock, of course, hit the F5. One, two, three matches over. I wish in that scenario, Ryan, you have Brock hit the F5 on Joe. Joe kicks out. Plays will go crazy. Then Brock gets frustrated. And then he hits Joe with another F5. That's what I would have went with. But that's me nitpicking. But 
Again, that's the best you're going to get, and I, and I will settle for it, all right? We all knew this was not going to be a slam dunk match, all right? We're not going to see another great Brock Lesnar matchup because in, in a singles environment. If it adds three or four guys like, like it could at SummerSlam, and we will get into that, of course, with Monday Night Raw, then yes, a Brock Lesnar match is going to be fantastic. But when it comes to one-on-one, Brock versus somebody, it's not going to be a slam dunk match. It's either going to be Brock kicking that person's ass or, like we saw Sunday, the opponent gets a huge upper hand in the beginning, but in the very end, Brock rebounds and finds a way to win. That's what we're going to get, but I'll sell for it, because again, in years past, we've seen Brock Lesnar completely destroy his opponent, and his opponent doesn't get any offense in. He did it with Seth Rollins, he did it with John Cena, he did it with Randy Orton. That, to me, just is bullshit booking, basically, alright? At some point... Someone has to go to Brock Lesnar's face and kick his ass. And the right guy was Samoa Joe. They they hyped him up for the past month. Samoa Joe took out Brock Lesnar, had the upper hand in almost every segment, and they built up Samoa Joe to be this legitimate threat. You have to make it you, you have to pay that off. Or you can't build up Samoa Joe like this beast. And then when the match finally happens, he gets his ass kicked. You couldn't do that. It would have made no sense. And if they ever did that, which thank God they didn't. How in the hell do you bring Samoa Joe back after that? That that would be a huge embarrassment. So I'm happy Vince waved. Uh, he gave Joe the green light. He gave Joe the opportunity to take it to Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar accepted it. You know, from rumors perspective, Brock's high on Samoa Joe. I mean, why wouldn't you be? Samoa Joe has been doing this for so many years. He's one of the best in the business. And overall, Ryan, it was a solid match. All right, again, not the greatest of matches, but let's be honest, people. That's the best we're going to get from Brock Lesnar, all right? Plain and simple. At least Samoa Joe got his chance to take it to Brock Lesnar. Hell, he put Brock Lesnar through an announce table. That was awesome. You know, the, the, the continuous attempt for the Kikina Clutch, him overpowering Brock Lesnar, trying to counter the suplexes. Really, really solid stuff. And again, you know, Samoa Joe, we all know how great of a worker he is, and I thought he really held his own in this match. So overall, Ryan, it was a... Very solid match. Again, it's not going to be a stellar matchup because that's not what we're going to see these days with Brock Lesnar. He's going to go out there for the most part, throw his suplexes around, and then get that one or two F5, and that's it. But in this scenario, Brock did all that, but at the same time, he took a big whipping from Samoa Joe. So overall, Ryan, the match was very solid. It exceeded, it exceeded my expectations. What about your thoughts? Your thoughts on Joe Brock Lesnar? Yeah, I mean, there's no way that anybody could be upset about this in, in any way. I mean, we talked about this, Brian, how we needed this to be a match. Or if it wasn't going to be a match, we needed it to be a fight. We couldn't have it be a typical Brock Lesnar squash match. And that's what we feared leading up to this match. I think a lot of people as well, because like you said, how could you not? I mean, there's so many doubts going into this because of what we've seen from Brock Lesnar matches in the past. But they built this up so damn good that I said to myself, there is no way it could be a, a typical squash match. I mean, it can. It hurts Samoa Joe. What does his future hold after that? Where does he go from there? It makes him look like a joke. And, you know, again, we mentioned this before, and it was the total opposite of what we thought it was going to be. And thank goodness it was exactly what it was because that is what it needed to be, a fight. I mean, from the pre-match attack before the bell even rings, that Samoa Joe is going at Brock Lesnar, ends up putting him through the table. And basically, Brian, Samoa Joe dominated almost the whole entire match. I mean, uh, literally, he dominated 
a lot of that match. I mean, with the Coquina clutch, uh, with just his, you know, his typical offensive maneuvers that he does. I mean, Brock, you know, again, caught him with some suplexes here and there, and then one F5 put him down. But everybody's so mad about that, too, that one F5 put him down. Because nowadays, when we see a match between two guys, you know, usually they kick out of each other's finishers all the time. And that's basically what gives it, you know, a good match rating, basically. Oh, all these false finishes and all that kind of stuff. But remember back in the day when a finisher was supposed to finish you? One finisher, that is it. It's the reason why it's called a finishing maneuver. It doesn't mean that the person always has to kick out of it. Heck, if the person kicked out of it every single time, what would be the point of it? So people are so mad. That is the one thing I've been seeing coming out of this match. People are so mad because Joe dominated the whole entire match and 1F5 put him down. For God's sakes, it is a finishing move for a reason. Uh, I mean, again, I am totally satisfied with what we got. Like you said, Brian, I mean... It was basically a seven-minute match. I don't really think it went past seven minutes. Maybe it did, but it definitely didn't hit ten minutes. It was like basically seven or eight minutes. And, again, you really can't ask for much more, you know, based based on what we've seen from Brock Lesnar uh, in the past. So I was satisfied at the end of this. I mean, obviously we knew Brock was going to retain the belt. Samoa Joe was not going to win it, uh, unfortunately, because, you know, this guy really does deserve it. But I think after that performance and – like I said, I don't think this is over. I don't think Samoa Joe is just going to go away. I know a lot of people think that, you know, he's out of the title picture, but I wouldn't say that just yet. I mean, I don't think he's going away just, you know, that quickly. But, uh, you know, again, he really held his own, and he showed everybody, and I think he showed everybody in the WWE uh, that he deserves to be in a top spot in this company, and he deserves to eventually get a, another title match, and he does deserve to win the belt at some point. I mean, he was a reigning NXT champion. I mean, it's got to show them something. It really does. I mean, this guy has literally held his own, and he has done some awesome work since coming to the main roster. Got Kind of got off to a little shaky start in the beginning, but lately he has been booked so damn good. This guy definitely deserves the title down the road. So I was so happy with this, how this match went down and everything. Again, you can't really ask for much more. Anybody who's upset is basically just nitpicking at this point because there is nothing that you could possibly get upset about. Joe looked strong coming out of it, dominated a good portion of the match, and he basically took it to Brock Lesnar like we haven't seen anybody do uh, in, in a, quite a while. I mean, really, you can't even say that Goldberg really took it to Brock Lesnar because it was just two moves that he did, and that was it. Joe basically gave Brock all that he can handle, uh, more so than I've ever seen anybody do uh, in, in recent memory, uh, I should say. So uh, coming out of it, Brian, I was satisfied. I really loved it, and uh, I'm curious to see where they go from here because at the end of the match, to me, it seemed like that this feud between Brock Lesnar and Samoa Joe was far from over. And it continued going into Raw, and of course we'll give our thoughts on what happened with Raw, specifically that segment between Brock Lesnar, Samoa Joe, and Roman Reigns. Uh, speaking of Roman Reigns, his match with Braun Strowman happened before the Brock Joe match, uh, and this was one of the most one of the more anticipated matches on the show because of the the long rivalry between Strowman and Roman, but also because of the stipulation, the ambulance match, and you just had a feeling that something big was going to go down between these two guys, and the match overall was really solid. Again, really good stuff. Both these guys had that chemistry. Two big physical guys trying to take each other out. I was very surprised, Ryan, that they gave the win to Braun Strowman. I was convinced it was going to be Roman Reigns, but I was surprised. But at the same time, happy that they gave it to Braun Strowman because, let's be honest, all right, Braun Strowman, 
ever since the brand split, and I've said this before on the show, there has not been any hotter superstar in the WWE for the past year, ever since the brand split, which we are now about almost a year until the brand split happened. It happened, what, July 19th last year? I'm not sure the date, but we're almost a, a year uh, to, the, uh, to last year's uh, brand split. The hottest superstar ever since that brand split. You can name a lot of guys. AJ Styles has been hot ever since the brand split. The Miz has been really hot since the brand split, etc. Braun Strowman to me has been the hottest because this guy went from basically an unknown, a guy that was overshadowed in the Wyatt family, to become this unstoppable force that nobody can beat. And he, they have done a tremendous job. All right, we talked about WWE's poor use of talent. You know, specifically, you know, Bailey and American Alpha, etc. You know what I'm talking about. But the one person they have done a tremendous job in terms of booking from that brand split was Braun Strowman. He has been outstanding since that move. And uh, he's had his ups and downs. Of course, he was out a little bit with that elbow injury. He had some misbooking a little bit, specifically at WrestleMania. I personally think he deserved a bigger role at WrestleMania, but... That's history. That's a conversation safe for later. But in all honesty, he needed to win this match against Roman Reigns to finally get himself at the very top where he needs to be. And what I mean is a world title opportunity. But, you know, WWE, Roman Reigns is the face of the company. He's always going to be the star. That's why I thought Roman was going to win this match. But we didn't get that, all right? And the way the match ended was very surprising, all right? Roman Reigns was trying to hit the spear on Braun Strowman. Strowman dodged it and basically chucked Roman Reigns into the ambulance. Well, basically it was on on Roman's own power, but Braun dodged it and gave him a nice little tap into the ambulance and he closed the doors quickly and the match is over. And I was shocked. I was like, holy shit, they actually gave this win to Braun. But what happened after the match is is what got people talking. Roman Reigns gets out of the ambulance, he takes out Braun Strowman, puts him in the ambulance, gets into the car. And the moment Roman got in the car, you knew something big was going to happen, alright? They weren't going to have Roman Reigns get in the car and do nothing, like drive away or something. You knew something was going to happen. So Roman's driving in the back, and you can just look on his face that he's trying to do something. You see from that that picture where he's looking in the rearview mirror. You You know he has a plan. What does he do? He reverses the car, drives it fast, bam, collides into one of the WWE trucks back there. Epic. Epic spot. Here comes Kurt Angle. Here come the trainers, the agents, screaming at Roman Reigns, what the hell are you doing? Roman just doesn't give a shit. He leaves. They're trying to open the door to get Braun Strowman out. And here's the worst part, Ryan. So when all this is happening... They freaking have a match between Kurt Hawkins and Heath Slater. Why? Why are you putting those two guys in that position? They didn't deserve that. First and foremost, there was no purpose for a match. You could have kept the cameras. You should have kept all the focus on this situation of Braun Strowman stuck in the ambulance and trying to get him out. There was no need to put Hawkins and Heath Slater out there. All right, The cameras were never on them. The match had no meaning whatsoever. It went super quick. I think about three minutes it went. And the worst part is, Ryan, that was never planned. Heath and Kurt didn't know about that until 10 minutes uh, 10 minutes after the Roman Reigns-Braun uh, Strowman match, right? 
That is bullshit, and that's unfair to both those guys. Now, yes, Heath and Kurt Hawkins are not the greatest of talents, but still, they're working talents. They're hard workers. They're trying to make a living. That is a bad position to put them in. The fans are not paying any attention to them because they're still focusing on what the hell is going on with Braun Strowman. So for that, that was terrible on WWE's part. There was no need for that. But back to the Braun Strowman segment. They finally opened the doors. There's Braun Strowman. He's got blood everywhere. His arm's bleeding. His face is bleeding. And the most amazing part, Ryan, though, is that Braun gets out. He was struggling. He was wobbly. But still walked under his own power. And I will say this. You know, we talk about, you know, personally me, that I hate the way WWE has built up Roman Reigns as this immortal figure. I'm going to be the opposite with Braun Strowman. I'm loving this idea that they're making him this immortal figure. And why am I saying that when at the same time I'm basically trashing about with Roman Reigns? That's not Roman Reigns' character. Never should be, never was. Braun Strowman is a more believable guy to be immortal because look at him. He's big. He's mean. He's physical. He's a freak of nature. He, there is more belief in him as an immortal figure than Roman Reigns will ever be. All right? Roman Reigns will never be that guy that is unstoppable. All right? He doesn't have that size. That's not what his character should be. Braun Strowman's the opposite. He's big. He's mean. He's booked like a monster among men. That's his little thing. He should be booked like an immortal monster. And they continue to do that, which I'm happy about. They're utilizing Braun Strowman's character the perfect way. When they do that with Roman Reigns, it doesn't make sense because that's not Roman's character. He's not supposed to be this immortal figure. He's supposed to be a tough badass, yes, but not to a point where he's unstoppable, all right? That's bogus with Roman Reigns. But overall for that match, Ryan, really good stuff. Again, the Braun-Reigns chemistry is really, really good. Their back-and-forth segments every week are very entertaining. You just don't know what's going to happen next. And what a way to end that match, all right? Braun winning was a shock. And I love that Roman Reigns got angry. He got frustrated. And he took it out, took out Braun Strowman, tried to end his career. I like that kind of stuff. We have not seen that type of booking in a long time, all right? That segment, that spot with Roman Reigns backing the ambulance into a truck, the way he did it so physically and, and how fast he did it, that, that type of stuff we have not seen in almost a decade. Maybe even more, maybe 15 years. That type of stuff happened a lot in the Attitude Era. It doesn't happen a lot these days. So I was very happy that Vince McMahon and the writing staff went that direction because it's so perfect to tell because there's such a bitterness and a hatred between these both these guys that they're, they're at a point where they just want to kill each other. And that's what we saw this past Sunday with Roman Reigns. So overall, Ryan, match is very good. Is the story over? Absolutely not. The story is not over yet. Has it gone a little bit too long? You can say that, but it's gone on so well that at this point... It's not losing any steam. The, the segments get better. The matches get better. So keep it coming until it finally gets stale, which it will be really soon. But overall, Ryan, match was really good. And the ending segment was awesome, very memorable, and just a great way to continue to tell the story. Yeah, it was uh, very eventful, to say the least. I mean, I uh, definitely didn't expect all that stuff uh, to go on during this uh, match. You know, 
I mentioned, I think, last week on the show, I was never a fan of the ambulance match. I always thought it was just a stupid, dumb concept. I mean, to me, it's just it's pointless. Uh, it doesn't really make sense. But these two put on a great match, and they, they really utilized it to the best of their abilities. Uh, they made it memorable, like you said, Brian. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to really remember the match, per se, but everybody's definitely going to remember the post-match. But as for the match itself, it was pretty solid. You know, Roman and Braun always always put on a good showing. Those two worked their asses off. They work great together. They know each other pretty well. Uh, so it was good, and I do like the ending. I do like how Roman basically just jumped in the ambulance, and then Braun just quickly closes the door, and that's it. I love that finish. I thought that was very good. Uh, to me, it's kind of stupid if somebody picks the other guy up and just shoves him in there. I mean, come come on. Quite honestly, the guy can't defend himself to, the, to you know, avoid getting put in the ambulance. Uh, to me, it's just common sense, but uh, I like the finish of, you know, him just jumping in there, going for the spear, whatever the hell he was trying to do, and then he basically just lunges right in there, and then Braun just closes the door. But I do like the fact that Roman comes right out afterwards because, let's face it, just jumping into the ambulance is not going to do much damage towards a guy like Roman Reigns. So it, there was no way he was just going to jump in there. The door closes. I mean, the door doesn't lock, so it's it's open. There's no way he would have just been done and, and that's it. That would have been so stupid. So I do like how Roman came back out uh, and, you know, put a beat down on Braun Strowman by putting him in the back of the ambulance and then driving. And like you said, you knew, you know, it, since we've been watching wrestling for quite some time now, and for everybody else who has been watching as long as us, you know that when something like this happens, you could already see what's about to occur. And once Roman started driving, you knew something was up. You knew he was going to crash into something. And the way it was done was perfect. I mean, he basically uh, just drives into the back. He's whipping it around the corners, and then he just stops. And, uh, you know, of course, the camera shows the close-up of, of the window and then the, the, uh, the mirror on the driver's side. And I think at that point, Braun probably got out of the ambulance. It's probably why they took so long with the whole entire process. But it looked good. It did. Every, everything, the camera angles, everything was perfect. And all of a sudden, Roman, like you said, backs up and right into another truck or whatever they have back there. Uh, and it was some impact, let me tell you. Damaged the whole entire back of the ambulance. So very, very cool spot, very memorable. you got to love when they do this kind of stuff because they don't do it often. And when they do, uh, it's just it's a moment. It's a moment that we will remember from this pay-per-view and from this encounter. Uh, and then, like you said, it was kind of dumb that they did put on another match, Heath Slater versus Kurt Hawkins. But I think it was all done just be basically because... They wanted to show you the aftermath of what was going to happen after Roman, you know, does that and then dips. You know, Kurt Angle comes over and then they're calling the uh, you know, fire department and all that stuff. You know, it, they had to do something. They couldn't just go on with Brock Lesnar and Samoa Joe because obviously the focus would be on them. You don't want to take the focus away from that just to show what's going on in the back room area. So they had to just throw together something just to, you know, show that they were doing something obviously nobody really cared nobody paid attention but i, I mean I, I understand why they did it but again like you said brian it is pretty stupid and unfortunately for he Heath slater and kurt hawkins i mean what must be going through their minds i mean basically wwe is just using them uh <laughs> just for the hell of it i mean nobody cares to see those two wrestle uh but i knew right when when that match occurred that it was because they wanted to buy some time and show you what was going on in the back. I mean, heck, we didn't even see the finish of that match. All of a sudden, you hear the bell ring and you hear the Heath Slater won, but everything 
uh, you know, the camera is showing what's going on in the back with, with guys are trying to uh, pry Brock, uh, Braun Strowman out of the back of the ambulance. So it was all very, very strange and very weird, but it was done very, very well. And like you said, the fact that Braun was able to walk out of the ambulance under his own power. I mean, yeah, he was struggling a little bit, obviously. He was all bloody, which was also very, very cool. But the fact that he walked off uh, made Braun look even stronger. And, you know, it's good that Braun Strowman got the win in the actual match. But it's also good that Roman Reigns looks strong coming out of it, uh, showing that he put down Braun Strowman too. Uh, because I think where this is headed, I think these two are both going to be fighting for the Universal title with Brock Lesnar and possibly Samoa Joe at SummerSlam. So if that's the case, then this makes perfect sense because you made both guys look strong in this whole uh, match and post-match thing. So I liked it. I thought it was perfect. I thought it was done well. At first, I was like, damn, so I guess this this feud isn't over yet, which was kind of weird to me. But then, uh, you know, I saw the rumors and everything, and supposedly these two are going to be involved in a fatal four-way at SummerSlam. So that's pretty cool stuff. So yeah, like you said, Brian, it was very, very memorable and another great encounter by Roman Reigns and uh, Braun Strowman. So it's pretty good stuff. I mean, again, as for the rest of the show, again, a lot of good booking, a lot of great matches. I mean, to me... You can make a case that Roman and Strowman were the best match of the night. I personally thought it was the Iron Man match. The tag team Iron Man match between the Hardy Boys and Cesaro and Sheamus was fantastic. And you, you knew, you know, they, they have the chemistry, these two teams. And when you have the 30 minutes that you have, you have to deliver a really good match. And that's what it was. Uh, I was a little bit surprised at how dominant... Cesaro and Sheamus were in the very beginning to the middle portion of the match, but it was a good way to show the Hardy Boys, yeah, they got their asses kicked in the beginning, but found a way to fight back. They tied it up, and of course, we know what happened then. Uh, the the last um, second victory, basically, for Cesaro with like 30 seconds left. He pinned Jeff Hardy after Jeff uh, hit the Swanton Bomb on Sheamus, but really good stuff. Those two teams have great chemistry. Uh, Matt Hardy suffered a, a pretty bad eye injury. His whole top of his um, eye was gushing blood his whole left side of his face was bleeding uh really really uh weird to see but uh still cool at the same time just showed you how physical this match was but great stuff between those two teams Cesaro Sheamus retaining no shocker there uh Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt they kicked off the show good match uh both guys have the chemistry but the only thing that lacked with this match was just uh, the anticipation and the hype. Again, because we mentioned it on the show last week and for a little while. When it comes to a Bray Wyatt match, you, 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 I mean, yeah, they gave Bray Wyatt the win. But it lacks excitement because it's the same thing with Bray Wyatt. The guy cuts his promos every single week, the same rhymes. He faces somebody new every, what, two months or three months. It's the same story. The only different thing with this story is that Bray won, and that's good to see to finally get Bray some victories. And of course, they they had their rematch on Raw, and Bray won again. Uh, doesn't hurt Seth Rollins. People said, "Oh, this is hurting Seth Rollins." No, it's not. Seth Rollins is one of the biggest stars of the company. This will not hurt him. So good for Bray Wyatt to get both those wins. It was a good, solid match. Uh, Sasha and Alexa Bliss had a great match as well. And this is the only part of the show where the booking to me, yet again, just didn't make sense to me. And that was another countout finish. And it's now starting to become an ongoing trend with the WWE and their pay-per-views that at least one of the matches on the show has got to end in a countout finish. Why? I mean, yeah, I understand why they're doing it. They want to continue to push the feud. They want to add some sort of heat to the to the heel that she didn't, you know, finish the match. She had to quit and blah blah blah. 
it's lazy booking in my opinion, all right? And if you want to go that route, if you want to put some heat on the villain or the heel, whatever you want to call it, whatever phrase you want to use, let I'd rather settle for a disqualification than a counter because if you use a disqualification, then it shows you how heelish this the, 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 the person is, like Alexa Bliss, all right? To just walk out of a count-out finish, to me, that's just lazy writing. The match didn't deserve that finish. I like, though, the ending, though, where Sasha got out of the ring, attacked Bliss, made that great uh, spot where she jumped off of the announce table, landed on Alexa Bliss. That was pretty cool to see, but the match was good, but deserved a much better finish. There's no doubt about that. And uh, trying to think, uh, Dean Ambrose and The Miz, I didn't really watch it because I just don't give a crap about it. it this, this story has been going on for a pretty good five months, basically. It has Something new has to happen. Uh, Miz winning to me, good to see. You know, Putting the belt on Dean Ambrose made no sense. He's, he's done an awful job as champion. The Miz is way better as a champion. And you can tell that they're trying to push this whole entourage stable, which they should. Give Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel something to do. So I, I guess it was a good match. But again, I just didn't have any interest because I've seen it so many times. Uh, Neville being Tozawa, no surprise there. Uh, Neville still is, without question, the best booked champion Probably in the WWE, he has been so good since becoming champion. But at the same time, though, it's hurting the Cruiserweight division of how dominant Neville is. Because when you look at the division, Ryan, you look at all the talent there, you have to ask yourself, who can beat Neville? Nobody can. Austin Aries failed a couple of times, which, by the way, we got to get into the Austin Aries situation after I'll give Ryan his point. Uh, but he's beaten Aries three times. He's beaten Cedric Alexander. He's beaten now Tazawa. He's beaten Rich Swan and TJ Perkins. Who else is left in that division? Nobody. It's probably if there's if there's any, going to be anybody that's going to beat Neville, it's going to be somebody that is not in the division right now. And that's why I keep saying Johnny Gargano. All right, because when you look at his situation in NXT. We all knew that there was going to be a feud between him and Tommaso Ciampa. Ciampa's not wrestling until March of 2018. All right, that's about what nine, ten months away. So, and and what realistically can Gargano do in NXT? I mean, the only thing he could do is fight for the NXT title, but it's going to be tough for him to get in that spot when he has to face guys like Drew McIntyre, guys like Aleister Black. Guys like Cassius Ono and Hideo Tommy, and maybe pretty soon Adam Cole, it's going to be tough. And I just don't see Gargano having that same success as a singles guy in NXT. So I could definitely see a scenario where he's brought up on the main roster, and he goes into the Cruiserweight division, and he's the one that beats Neville. But again, we're not so sure if that's going to be the case. Maybe it will be, maybe it will not be, but that's my my whole vision about that. But overall, Ryan, again, we mentioned it early, great balls of fire on paper. It's supposed to be a great show. My expectations were it could be okay, but at the same time, it could be really, really bad. But to the credit to the WWE, really good stuff. The matches were good, no surprise. It came down to the booking, and the booking was very, really solid. A couple of... Um, Little confusing moments so, uh, 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 on the show, like the, the Sasha Bliss finish and the whole Kurt Hawkins, uh, Heath Slater situation. But overall, a really, a really solid book show. Overall, really solid, right? One of the better events that WWE's put together so far this year. And and I got to say, good stuff on their part, and it delivered a really, really solid show. 
Yeah, that uh, that tag team Iron Man match was one of my favorite parts about the show. I thought that was awesome. I mean, such a great match between the Hardy Boys and Sheamus and Cesaro. Uh, the 30-man Iron Man stipulation was perfect. Uh, the first time we've seen that uh, for a tag team match. So it, it was done very, very well. Um, you know, again, the typical... Faces falling behind, you know, Sheamus and Cesaro jumped out to a 2-0 lead, uh, then it was 2-1, then it was 3-1, then it was 3-2, and then the Hardys tied it up 3-3, and it basically then went down to the last second. Uh, I think Cesaro was the one that got the pin on Jeff Hardy uh, to make it 4-3, and then basically they run out of the ring just to, you know, buy some some more time, I and mean, you got to count it down from like 10 seconds, and then they get back into the ring, Jeff hits the, uh, the twist of fate, and then tries to get this cover and he doesn't he's too late uh, he gets there with like two seconds left i just thought it was done perfectly i really did i mean uh you know I, you always gotta wonder how they do it so damn good and always like get it right on point you know i mean uh, with the clock ticking down they didn't waste no time they i guess you know they looked up at the screen they saw how much time was left uh the finish was perfect i thought the whole entire match was really exciting good stuff by both of those teams and I would assume that this feud is, is done and over with uh, based on what we saw on Monday Night Raw, which we'll get into in a little bit. But just awesome, awesome stuff by both of those teams. Uh, Matt Hardy had to have nine stitches following the match, but very, very solid stuff there. Um, like you said, Dean Ambrose and The Miz, I didn't pay attention to it either. I uh, just did something else in the meantime. I just did not care. Like you said, Brian, I could care less about seeing that match again. Uh, we, it had no business being on the card. It, it really didn't. I hope that it's done with now, but I'm not even so sure it's done now because of what we saw on Raw. So, like I said, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but did not pay too much attention to that. I thought Bray and Seth, they put together a very solid opener, very good stuff by both of those guys. And to the surprise of a lot of people, Bray Wyatt actually got a win. Uh, yeah, it was like a thumb to the eye, so it wasn't uh, per se a clean, clean victory, but still a victory nonetheless from Bray Wyatt, which we don't normally see. Uh, so that's good stuff right there. Sasha and Bliss, too, was very good. Uh, but like you said, that's probably the only thing about this whole entire pay-per-view that was kind of, uh, you know, underwhelming a little bit was the finish. Uh, again, it continues the feud, which I'm okay with, but they could have done something else. I would have liked to see Alexa cheat and then roll up Sasha for the win or something along the lines of that. But uh, just the, the DQ finish does nothing for me. And then uh, you had Neville and Akira Tozawa on the pre-show. I didn't really watch this match either. I, I don't normally tune into the pre-show. I basically just throw on the network directly at 8 o'clock when the pay-per-view is beginning. So did not uh, see this match, but I saw some highlights and saw the ending of the match, which seems like this feud is far from over between Neville and Tozawa. But again, Neville's not losing this belt anytime soon. We all know that. Like you said, Brian, Johnny Gargano, good possibility if he comes up to the main roster. I'd like to see that feud between those two guys. But until then... I keep the belt on Neville because there's nobody that I see right now in the cruiserweight division that really deserves that championship. So like you said, Brian, I mean, people made fun of the name leading up to this pay-per-view. Uh, got a lot of jokes and bad rap on Twitter and everybody online on social media, uh, the logo and everything like that. But there is no denying that this show delivered in a huge way. And, you know, if the WWE wanted us to forget about this pay-per-view in a couple of years... It's not going to happen because Great Balls of Fire will go down as one of the best pay-per-views um, of this year for WWE. It was very, very solid. And, it, again, you're not going to get much better than this nowadays in today's era. So this is the best it's going to get. If you didn't enjoy this pay-per-view, 
I don't know what you enjoy. You have way too high expectations, let me tell you. So, show definitely delivered in a huge way. I'm glad it did. Uh, just, just a great show from from start to finish. Now, over the weekend, we had uh, some big news with the WWE uh, regarding a specific cruiserweight, uh, and that is, of course, Austin Aries, who was released by the WWE Friday. Um, a lot of speculation came out as to why this happened. Um, by the way of Austin Aries' tweets, you can tell that there was definitely bitterness from both sides because Austin Aries tweeted out of how happy he was and how this is a great day. And when you see him tweet something like that, you knew, you just know that there was bitterness from both sides. And reports came out that the reason why, there's a couple of reasons why Aries got um, released. First and foremost, Austin Aries was not happy with his position in the company. He was not happy that he was stuck with the cruiserweights where he can do some bigger, better things on the main roster. But there is also bitterness uh, between both sides. The WWE writing team, the creative team, did not like working with Austin Aries because of his ego, because of his attitude, which Aries has been known to have dating back to his TNA days. He's you know he's known for having a bad attitude. Uh, so writers didn't like working with him. Austin was not pleased with his role in the company. And it led to basically them parting ways. And with that being the case, Austin Aries, um, his contract that he signed with WWE was supposed to expire in 2019. But because of both sides releasing each other, it's not like Austin Aries quit and WWE has him locked under control. No, WWE agreed to mutually part with Austin Aries. And I think there's a limit where he can't wrestle for any company for 90 days. And then when that's up, Austin Aries is a free man. So here's where I look at it. You know, which side am I on? You know what side I'm on. I'm on Austin Aries' side. I couldn't agree more with him. He, people, you know, I saw a lot of people bash Austin Aries. Oh, who, do, who does he think he is? He should be happy. He's working for WWE. This is the biggest company in the world. He should be happy. Why, why is he so bitter? Here's the reason why. For those of you who don't know Austin Aries' resume, before he came to WWE, this guy is one of three men in the history of Ring of Honor, which has now been, what, alive for 15 years? One of three men in that company's history to be a two-time Ring of Honor champion, all right? And there are so many big names in that company that held that belt. None of them, other than Adam Cole and Jay Briscoe, can say that they were two-time Ring of Honor, uh, excuse me, Ring of Honor champion. Austin Aries is one of those guys that can say that, all right? That's a big accomplishment. If you don't think that, you have no clue what you're talking about. That's number one. Number two, he's also a former TNA world champion. And again, TNA, if you think that doesn't mean nothing, again, you don't know what you're talking about. Those are huge accomplishments. Yeah, those companies are not bigger than WWE. But still, don't, you know... Discredit that moment for Austin Aries, all right? Two-time Ring of Honor champion, a former TNA heavyweight champion. Those are major accomplishments. And Austin Aries, for so many years, has made a name for himself in the wrestling business. He is so much better than being stuck in 205 Live, a show that is doing absolutely nothing at this moment. The Cruiserweights were brought back for one simple reason, Ryan, and that is for filler. Filler on Monday Night Raw for segments and filler for the WWE Network to add more programming. That's it. There is no endgame. There is no payoff with these cruiserweights. And Austin Aries knows that. He's not a dumbass. He's a smart man. And he knows that he's better than that. I mean, and I agree with him. I would have loved 
to see Austin Aries move over to Monday Night Raw or SmackDown Live and feud with somebody like Seth Rollins. You know, reunite their rivalry back in Ring of Honor. Have him feud with AJ Styles. Have him feud with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and etc. He's so much better than that. But no, WWE didn't see that. They saw him as a cruiserweight guy. They wanted him to elevate the division, in which he tried. All right, I will give him that. He tried his best to elevate the division, but you can just tell the fans don't give a crap about the cruiserweights. Why? Because they don't know who they are. Because a lot of the fans that tune in to watch Raw and the WWE in the total don't watch outside wrestling. And again, I mention this from the very beginning. They introduced this division. They're making a big mistake. You're you're putting guys on Raw and you're giving these guys their own show. You're trying to get the fans to watch these guys, but the fans don't know who they're watching. They don't know who Tony Nese is. They don't know who Akira Tozawa is. They don't know who Grand Madalik is. They should have started from NXT, which Austin Aries did. All right, they brought him in NXT. It was a big deal. William Regal said it, and I quote, one of the greatest signings in this brand's history, which it was because Aries is a big-time star. His run with NXT didn't go that well. You know, he had the injury later in his NXT run. Uh, he started out as a face, then turned to a heel. And I think even if he never suffered that injury, he could have had a bigger run with the with the brand. But stuff like that happens. But I, I am not going to sit here and bash Austin Aries for, for you know, being bitter. I mean, yeah, he does have the attitude problem dating back to TNA, and that's something that Austin Aries has to clean up. He's got to be more professional. I'll give him that. I'll give WWE that. But I'm not going to sit here and say that Austin Aries is an idiot for being bitter about his role. No, he has every right to be pissed off, and so does every cruiserweight. Even Neville. Neville's a former NXT champion. He was the longest-reigning champion in that brand before Finn Balor broke his record. This guy has been the best booked champion in the company. Just imagine Neville being booked like that while holding the Intercontinental title, while holding the United States title, while holding another big belt. Neville as well should be pissed off. Yeah, he's the champion. He shouldn't be pissed off because he's the champion and he's the face of that brand. But he should also be sitting there saying, you know what, I'm better than this. I'm being booked so strongly, I should be being booked like this when I was Intercontinental Champion or U.S. Champion. So, it's a bummer. It really is that Austin Aries is no longer with the company because I was so happy when he signed because I'm a big fan of this guy. He's he's money. He's got the look. He's got the charisma. He's great in the ring. He's a veteran. He knows how to put together great performances. WWE dropped the ball with this guy. And I'm hoping with this... This whole thing going on, that it leads to other cruiserweights saying the same exact thing. I want to see more guys like Cedric Alexander say, screw this. I'm doing nothing on 205 Live. I deserve better. I want out as well. I want to see Tony Nese do that. I want to see Tazawa do that. I want to see Drew Gulak do that. I want to see Neville do that because 205 Live is not going anywhere. Like I said before, it's only there for filler. Filler for Monday Night Raw because it's three hours, they need segments, and they bring in the Cruiserweights. That's the only reason why they're there. Number two, it's also for filler with the network for more programming. It's not working. The fans don't give a crap, all right? You can tell from people not showing up at the 205 Live shows. 
not giving me a reaction to these guys when they step out. And you can even see on social media, people are like, ah, oh, forget about the cruiserweights. I don't want to watch them. I'm taking my bathroom break, blah, blah, blah. The fans are not siding with this. And Vince doesn't care. He's going to continue to roll with these cruiserweights, which is an absolute shame because a lot of these guys are so much better than that. Like Austin Aries, this guy is so good. He, you know, he's one of those guys that could be an Intercontinental Champion and be great at it. A United States Champion. I won't say World Champion because that's a pretty deep list of talent that he has, that he has to compete with. But at best, Intercontinental Champion, United States Champion, why not? Why can't Austin Aries be that? He's so good. So again, it was a messy situation. It's finally cleaned up. Austin Aries is no longer with the company. In 90 days, he should be with another company. I'm hoping Ring of Honor because they need more main event talent. And Aries is that guy. Wouldn't be shocked if he goes back to Global Force Wrestling. Side with Jeff Jarrett. Um, I, I doubt New Japan Pro Wrestling is where he'll go. I don't think he's going to Japan. So either Ring of Honor or Global Force is where I see him going. Maybe Global Force because he has more of a history there. But it's a messy situation. And I do not fault Austin Aries that much. WWE dropped the ball here. I, I don't know what the reason was as to why they put Aries in 205 Live other than they wanted to elevate the division. But even with him there, it's not going to elevate the division. People don't care about it. And he's so much better than being stuck in that division. He knows it, and a lot of fans know that. And WWE, you can tell, didn't give him that privilege to jump up to Raw SmackDown, and he probably had enough of it. So I'm happy for Austin. Get yourself out of there. Get back on the independence. Do what you got to do. And it's just a huge bummer that WWE, once again, dropped the ball with another great talent. They've done it with Drew Galloway. They did it with Cody Rhodes. And now they did it to Austin Aries. And guess what? More talent are going to go through this. And we're going to see a lot more of these situations happen. Because WWE these days just don't know how to utilize their talent the right way. So, just a messy situation. And I feel bad. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little upset because I wanted to see Austin succeed in WWE. But at the same time, I'm happy he's gone because we all know, Ryan, that he was only going to do this cruiserweight stuff, and he's so much better than that. So we wish the best for Austin moving forward, and I'm happy to see he's out of there because he deserves a whole lot better than what he got with WWE. Yeah, this was a, a huge shock to uh, a lot of people and to myself included. I cannot believe when I saw this because, you know, it just basically came out of nowhere. Um, you know, Austin Aries did tweet directly after the WWE Twitter account uh, tweeted out that Austin Aries has been released. And from that point on, I knew that Aries was the one that asked for his release, but of course didn't know what happened. I mean, I figured something backstage happened with the management and with Aries. And I, I don't know, I, I did not really think or assume that it was because of his position in the company. Uh, you know, again, you know, he was he was not given what he should have been given, but then again, most of the cruiserweights are in the same boat as him. Uh, the only difference is, I guess, he did something about it, and they are just sitting there collecting a check week after week. Uh, but you know what? No matter what way you look at it, I mean, I see both sides of this. I see Aries' side, and then I see you know the side of the people that are saying, oh, you know, he should just be grateful, you know, WWE, whatever. He not not everybody can get a top spot. This and that. He should be lucky that he's there. You know, again, if you're not happy with something, you got to do something about it. And Austin Aries was clearly not happy, uh, you know, coming off the feud with Neville, 
I mean, he did have a match at WrestleMania. Those are the only two cruiserweights that actually got to be on the big stage of WrestleMania, so he has to be grateful for that, uh, that he did get his WrestleMania moment to perform on the grandest stage uh, before he left. And then, of course, never gained the cruiserweight title, which he probably hoped to win. But again, that's the problem with this cruiserweight division here, is like, you're just constricted to 205 Live and that division. You can't branch off and do anything else, which is unfortunate. It really is. I mean, he should be able to uh, just basically show up. Right? I mean, he should be able to show up heck in AJ Styles' US Open Challenge and be like, hey, I want a title match, and bam, he should be able to win the title and mix it up with those guys. He should be able to fight John Cena. He should be able to do other things instead of just staying in the Cruiserweight division. It's so... It's just frustrating because he has so much damn potential. He could have been a big-time player if he was given a better opportunity. Like you said, Brian, he could have been a great intercontinental champion, a U.S. champion. I mean, a tag team champion he could have been with somebody. He deserves so much more than being restricted to the freaking cruiserweight division. It's unbelievable. So I guess, you know, I think Cody Rhodes really started a movement for a lot of people. I guess Austin Aries is going to try and do that. I don't know if he ever hopes to get back to WWE. I mean, I would assume so, but again, he's 39 years old, probably going to be 40 years old soon. Who knows uh, what his future holds? I, I, he does have a lot left in the tank, but who knows what he's going to do now. Uh, but hey, you know what? He could just go on the indie scene and tear it up. I mean, I think he should definitely return to Ring of Honor. Like you said, he could he could show up on Global Force Wrestling again. Jeff Jarrett, I'm sure, is going to make a big, uh, big-time play for him. I don't think he's going to go to New Japan, like you said, either. Uh, but I think those two companies, as well as other independent promotions around the world, I think Austin Aries is definitely going to be booked on a lot of shows, and he's going to show WWE why they missed out on a big opportunity with him. Like you said, he does have to clean up his act with the uh, the attitude problem backstage. That is something that, to me, like I'm looking at this situation, and I'm hearing this, and I'm reading this, that he has an attitude problem. I mean, give me a freaking break. I mean, if you're somebody who's employed by a certain company... You have to follow rules. You have to show people respect. I mean, you can't just have a bad attitude. I mean, I mean talk about ungrateful in that aspect. It, that kind of stuff bothers me. I really don't have any tolerance for that. I mean, come on now. You, you, you're a professional wrestler. You're very successful. You've been in a lot of different companies. You've achieved so much, like you said, Brian, with all these championship wins around the world. I mean, how do you have a bad attitude? I mean, WWE signing you. You're on... you performed at WrestleMania, you're given opportunities here, of course, you know, you wanted to do a lot more, I understand that, but come on, Aries, I mean, you have an attitude problem, clean it up, because, again, that's not good to have in this business, so, I mean, and then at the same time, so that's Aries' side that I see of it, but at the same time, I see the other side, whereas, like, you know what, there's people like the Zack Ryder, who has been in WWE for about, what, 10 years or so, and he sticks there and stays there, and every now and then he gets opportunities. I mean, he won the Intercontinental Championship in the ladder match at, at WrestleMania 32. Uh, he, you know, he's, he's given the tag team opportunity with Mojo Rawley. I mean, he is given opportunities every now and then, but most of the time he sits backstage or he just comes out and jobs for five minutes. But he stays there because he's loyal and he just doesn't get too greedy and get too carried away. And he just thinks, you know, okay, I'm just going to keep working harder. My time will come. My time will come. Uh, but again, you know, it's not always good to just settle either. So I kind of see both sides of it. Of course, I'm on Aries' side. And like I said, Brian, I'm happy too that he's gone. I really am. I think he could do a lot more uh, on the indie scene and then show the WWE what they missed out on. Maybe... Who knows? Maybe we'll see him in the WWE again in a couple of years. But for right now, he's done. 
Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what is next for Aries. He'll find work. That's no secret because how good the independent wrestling scene is nowadays. Uh, he'll definitely find work elsewhere. Uh, so I'm excited to see what happens next uh, in Austin Aries' future. Now another reason why uh, that he was not was really unhappy with the company is that yeah he was on the WrestleMania card, but his match with Neville was on the pre-show, and when the match came to um, when it went on D- on DVD. They didn't show the pre-show matches, so Neville and Aries' match for that title at WrestleMania was not on the DVD. And when your match is on the DVD, I guess you get some sort of royalties or something from the company, and Aries didn't get that, and he was unhappy about that. So a lot of factors played in this decision, but again, you, you can tell where Aries is coming from. You know, Aries knows that he's a lot better than being a cruiserweight. He wanted to do more. I guess the company didn't grant him that and he got frustrated and he left. I I do agree though, Ryan, that he has to clean up his act. I mean, what, you're 39 years old and you have this attitude problem. I can tell, I can understand a young guy, a a young 22-year-old who's coming up in the business having an attitude problem because that's a guy that doesn't have that professional experience like many others, but Austin should be more professional. He's been doing this thing for a long, long time. He's got to be more professional. So well, we, we wish the best for Austin Aries moving forward, but definitely a huge bummer that he's no longer with the WWE. Let's move on now to uh, some talk with uh, Monday Night Raw and some SmackDown Live, specifically Monday Night Raw, which I did watch. Uh, I didn't watch all of SmackDown last night, but... Of course, the part of Raw that stood out the most was that segment between Brock Lesnar, Samoa Joe, and Roman Reigns. Uh, of course, Brock Lesnar came out with Paul Heyman celebrating their victory over Samoa Joe. Kurt Angle's also out there. And he's asking Brock and Paul, all right, what's next? SummerSlam's coming up. You had to defend your belt there. What's next for you guys? Here comes Roman Reigns saying that, you know, you know, he looks at Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle's like, what are you doing here? You don't deserve to be out here for what you did to Braun Strowman. Roman's like, dude, I did you a favor. Nobody can control Braun Strowman. I can, though, and I took his ass out. I think you should repay me. Give me a title opportunity. Brock is like, Brock is like, you don't deserve shit, which I thought was fantastic comeback by Brock Lesnar. Uh, Samoa Joe comes out saying that I have unfinished business with Brock Lesnar. Him and Brock are going back and forth. Brock's like, I kicked your ass. Joe's like, yeah, well, next time I'm going to choke you out and I'm going to make you go to sleep, blah, blah, blah. And it sets up a match next week. Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe with the winner facing Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam for the Universal Championship. Now, this is what I think. And if I was the writing team, if I was Mr. McMahon, that's what I would book it. And this is, and this could realistically be the way they go with this. And this is the way they should go with this. You have Joe Roman next week, main event Raw. Winner gets Brock Lesnar, all right? They have their matchup, which should be good. Right when the match is about to end, you have Braun Strowman come out. You have him come back with vengeance on his mind. He's going after Roman Reigns. He takes out Roman Reigns during the match. Leads to a disqualification. Samoa Joe gets angry because he attacks Roman Reigns. Joe's disqualified. Roman Reigns gets the victory. Joe gets angry. He starts going after Braun Strowman. We have a huge melee in the middle of the ring, which leads to, of course, controversy. What the heck is going on? Joe has his reasons. Well, I died. I didn't, you know, I didn't lose to Roman Reigns. Braun cost me the match. Blah, blah, blah. Guess what? We have a fatal four-way at SummerSlam. Brock, Roman, Joe, and Braun Strowman for the championship. Because let's be honest, Ryan. It makes zero sense. You have Braun Strowman 
a guy like that I mentioned before on the show has been probably the best booked wrestler other than Neville in the WWE ever since that brand split. He's been fantastic. You have him go on this tremendous run this past year. He's beating so many guys. He's making so many moments on Raw. And then, of course, you have him beat Roman Reigns at uh, Freight Balls of Fire. You have him do all of this, but still doesn't have a title shot where Roman Reigns lost to Braun Strowman at Great Balls of Fire. Then he tries to murder Braun Strowman after the match, and he still gets a title shot for it. That makes zero sense to me. If they go that route, which they still could, it wouldn't surprise me if they have Roman beat Joe next week, no Braun Strowman interference, and we get Roman versus Brock at SummerSlam because that's still a huge rumor going around that it could be Roman Brock at SummerSlam. That makes no sense to me. Again, because you have Braun Strowman just beat Roman Reigns and he's not in the title picture, but Roman is? That doesn't make sense, all right? And let's be honest, Ryan. Roman Brock again at SummerSlam, that will not create intrigue. We've seen it before. It was a shit show the first time. Probably going to be a shit show the next time. You want to make an interesting matchup that people should be invested in? Make it a fatal four-way. Just imagine Brock, Roman, Braun, and Joe in the same ring. Those four are the four beasts in the WWE. They're the four biggest, best Baddest dudes in the WWE. And they're all in the same ring fighting for the same thing. That makes so much sense. Not a typical Roman Brock match. That makes no sense. It will not be interesting. People will not invest in it. It has to be a big match. This is not an ordinary pay-per-view. This is SummerSlam. It's the second biggest event of the year. You need marquee matches to headline this show. Brock and Roman is not good enough. It's not. We've seen it before. It was not great in the big. Be- it was not great when they first met at WrestleMania. A second time, maybe even worse. Who knows? Make this match interesting. Make it. Make a match that is going to bring fans in. And a fatal four with these four guys will bring fans in because it's something that we have not seen a lot in the WWE. Especially with these four guys. These four guys are animals. They're beasts. And imagine them in the same ring, facing each other for the same prize. That will be pretty freaking awesome. So again, if, I, if I'm a betting man, I will bet that that's going to happen. Braun comes back next week. He causes, he gets involved in the match with Roman and Joe. Leads to a disqualification, which will give Roman the win, of course, because he attacked Roman. Joe gets angry. He gets pissed at Braun Strowman. We have controversy. Kurt Angle has to settle it. And he says, bam, fatal four-way match. That's what I'm hoping for. But again, wouldn't surprise me if they don't go with that route and they just have Roman beat Joe clean next week and Roman's facing Brock by himself, leaving Joe and Strowman with nothing. All right, again, that makes no sense, especially when you have Braun beat Roman. Roman then tries to kill him, but Roman gets a tile shot and Braun doesn't. That doesn't make sense to me. It makes zero, zero sense. So... It should be interesting. Again, that segment on Raw was fantastic. If you have not seen it, check it out. It's on YouTube. As all segments from Raw and SmackDown always go on after the show's over. Uh, But that's the right route to go to. The rumor is strong that that's going to be the case. Again, not official. But to see the rumor keep getting hotter, it tells you that that's going to be the possibility. And let's be honest. That's what it should be. Another Brock-Roman match. 
makes no sense at this point. People will not be interested in it. We want to see something interesting. We want to see something new and fresh and different. Something that we can be invested in. Brock and Roman just by themselves is not good enough. We need Samoa Joe. We need Braun Strowman because those two guys are playing a bigger role in Raw every week. Especially Samoa Joe. How could you give Roman an opportunity and not give Joe another opportunity? Joe took it to Brock. Roman got his ass kicked by Brock at WrestleMania. Why doesn't the Braun deserve a shot? Braun's been awesome since the brand split. And he beat Roman Reigns. So let's see what happens next week. Again, if I'm a betting man, I, I think we're going to get that match. We're going to get the Fatal 4-Way match at SummerSlam, which would be awesome. Who wins that match? Again, it could be Brock, but we could see a title change that night, which I'll be hoping for. But it's not official yet. We have to wait and see. But that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that's what we get. Brock, Roman, Joe, and Braun. It makes too much sense. Make it happen. If it doesn't go down, that's a huge missed opportunity by Vince in the WWE. Again, this is SummerSlam. Not an ordinary pay-per-view. This is this is supposed to be an A pay-per-view. You need to put together A-plus matches. Matches that people will be interested in. Brock and Roman by themselves is not good enough. You need more than that. And that more is Joe and Braun Strowman. So we'll see what happens next week. But hopefully by the end of Raw next week, we get a good idea of what's going to happen at SummerSlam. And hopefully that idea is Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, Samoa Joe, Universal Championship. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it, it makes sense. It does. I mean, all these guys are involved uh, you know, obviously Braun is still involved with Roman. Roman is involved with Braun. Joe is still, you know, involved with Brock. And, and Joe and Roman will always have this beef, it seems like, because they've been battling it out for months now. Uh, again, it just makes sense to throw all them in the mix and have this big fatal four-way matchup at the biggest event of the summer, at the second biggest pay-per-view of the year for WWE. This is a freaking main event, for God's sake. This would be unbelievable i mean god this would be such a damn good match it needs to happen and i think it is i think it's a good possibility of it uh the segment on raw this past monday was awesome with samoa joe roman reigns and brock lesnar uh you know i just i think it was really really done well you know nowadays in the wwe some of the trash talk between some of these guys in these feuds sometimes it could come off as cheesy and dumb and not believable at all uh, but this trash talk between Samoa Joe going at Brock Lesnar and, uh, you know, Roman Reigns getting in the mix, going at Brock and Brock going back at Roman for once, Brock actually taking the mic and talking for himself. I mean, it just created for a great, great segment. I mean, I was into it. It was definitely intense. Um, and, you know, you see Brock getting pissed there and getting in the face of Samoa Joe. And Kurt Angle's got to push them apart. I mean, it was damn good. And, um, you know, so Kurt Angle makes up the match for next week. And, I like how we did not see Braun Strowman. I like that a lot because, again, that would just be that just be stupid if you showed him on TV this past week uh, after what just happened to him, uh, you know, on Raw. I mean, on uh, Great Balls of Fire this past Sunday. So give him a week off and then have him interfere in that match next week. And that's how you basically set it up. I mean, it's perfect right then and there. That is how you do it. And then just make it the Fatal 4-Way and... <laughs> I mean, let all those guys literally kill each other. That is going to be something to see, let me tell you. That's going to be uh, a, a just a very intriguing match. It's more intriguing, like you said, Brian, than just a typical Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar match, which we have seen before. 
And quite honestly, how does that even make sense? Like you said, uh, seeing what happened at Great Balls of Fire, how Braun Strowman came out of it looking strong as well. Samoa Joe definitely deserves a rematch after that match. So how do you just disclude those guys? How do you just kick them off to the side and be like, nah, this is Roman Reigns' shot, when he didn't even win a match on Sunday? So, uh, again, it's... It, this makes sense. I hope this is the route that they're going. Like I said, I have a good feeling about it, but uh, next week we'll be able to tell. I don't know if it's going to get announced next week, but if Braun Strowman gets involved, bam, that automatically has to tell you that this is going to end up being a fatal four-way. So I'm hyped. I hope it happens, and uh, I guess we'll see what happens next week. It makes too much sense. That's all I can say. It's a huge opportunity, and that's an opportunity that Vince has to go with, again, for the sake of his company, for the sake of pleasing the fans. Because, again, if, if they roll with another Roman-Brock match, a lot of the fans are going to be very unhappy. And they're not going to be that invested, that interested in SummerSlam this year. Because, like you said, Ryan, doesn't matter if it's Roman or Brock or this Fatal 4 match. That's probably going to be the main event of SummerSlam. And that's a big deal. You need a marquee main event match for SummerSlam Roman and Brock is just not good enough, all right? Especially with Joe and Strowman playing big roles in these storylines. Again, Braun beating Roman Reigns on Sunday. That's huge for Braun. How does it make sense to have that go down, but Roman still gets the title shot and Braun doesn't? Again, Samoa Joe earned another rematch because he took it to Brock like nobody took it to Brock before. Why will he get pushed aside from Roman Reigns? doesn't make sense. So hopefully by next week after Raw, we get a good idea or what the main event will be, and hopefully that main event will be the Fatal 4 match. So, we'll see what happens with that. As for the rest of Raw, again, we mentioned it before, Seth and uh, and Bray had their rematch. Bray won again. Again, very surprising. After the match was over, The Miz and his entourage came out. They were going to attack Seth Rollins. Here comes Dean Ambrose for the save. There has been some teasers that we could see a Shield reunion. Uh... Dean basically is trying to shoot that down during that, that segment we had with Seth Rollins. I, I, To be honest with you, Ryan, where I see this going, I think we're seeing a Dean Ambrose heel turn. I really do. Uh, I think we're going to see for the next coming weeks more teases about a Seth and Dean reunion with the Shield and maybe get Roman Reigns back. But in the very end, Dean turns heel and he and Seth feud. I think that's what we're going to see because let's be honest, Seth and Bray are probably done with Bray getting two victories over Seth in two nights, there's no need to continue this story. Let Bray move on to something else. Maybe a few with Finn Balor. Get Have Finn Balor do something for once because he's doing absolutely nothing. Uh, I'd love to see that. And it will leave Seth Rollins to do nothing. And I think a few with Dean Ambrose, with a heelish Dean Ambrose, would be a good way to go. Uh, reunite that feud. So keep an eye on that. That should be interesting storytelling. Uh, big cast in the big show now starting a feud. No surprise there. Uh, we, we forgot to talk about the big cast Enzo match at Great Balls of Fire. Enzo cut another great promo, but again, no shocker. Enzo's a great talker. In the ring, though, he can't cut out with the rest. Big cast kicked his ass, destroyed him. That was pretty much it. That feud's probably over with. Big cast is now moving on to bigger, better things. And hopefully for Enzo's sake... Let him be a manager. I've said it numerous times. He will not last as a wrestler in this company. Let him be a manager for a specific superstar. But Big Cass and Big Show now looking on the move into a feud. Uh, Hardy Boys, how about this? Um, we are seeing more teases of the broken gimmicks coming back. All right, The Hardy Boys cut a promo Monday. And, you know, Jeff Hardy was speaking about uh, uh, classify ourselves as absolute a, a phrase 
that Jeff used often when he was Brother Nero. Matt Hardy talking about broken and all all the terms that Matt loves to use when he's broken Matt Hardy. And rumors keep popping up that, you know, the WWE and Global Force Wrestling have come to some sort of agreement or something that the broken gimmicks will be used in WWE. And don't forget that tweet that Jeff put out, 717 which is a Monday Night Raw date, that could be the night where we see the Broken Hardys come back. They're starting a few with uh, the Revival now. The Revival are back. They attacked the Hardy Boys after their match with Gallows and Anderson. So good to see the Revival back. Gallows and Anderson could be next in line for Tag Team Gold against Cesaro and Sheamus. So good stuff there. Hopefully we see the Broken Hardys back on Raw next week. Um, they continue the Sasha Banks Alexa Bliss storyline that they'll probably have their rematch at SummerSlam. So overall for Raw, for the most part that I watched was pretty solid. Um, Finn Balor be Eli Sampson. That's pretty much that for that storyline. Hopefully for the sake of Finn Balor that he gets something new. And I'm, and I'm hoping it's Bray Wyatt. I, I think that's the right way to go. Bray and Seth is done. Let Bray move on to something else. And I think a few with him and Finn Balor would be the way to go. And I think, Ryan, to go even a little bit further, I think Bray Wyatt is the right guy to bring back the Demon. Because that's the question I want answered. Finn Balor has been back ever since the night at the WrestleMania. Not once have we seen any sort of tease from the Demon King, the Demon character, which worked so well with Finn Balor. And I think it has to make a comeback. Uh, what better guy to bring that Demon back than Bray Wyatt? Just imagine, you know, Bray Wyatt cutting his rhymes, him and Finn are feuding with each other, Bray getting the best of Finn, challenging Finn, taking Finn to, to heights that he's never been taken before, and that's when we see the demon back, because that's what I think Finn needs, all right? Finn will always be in the mix, because he's Finn Balor, but to separate Finn from the rest of the pack and to get him back in the universal title picture, he's got to be the demon, that's the that's his best character. He, he utilized that character perfectly in NXT. It should be used on the main roster. And I think a Bray Finn Balor storyline could bring that character back. It makes too much sense. That's where I would go with Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor. All right, Bray's done with Seth. We all know that. Finn Balor, Elias Samson, that's not going to be a long feud. That's over with. Let these two guys combat with each other. And let Bray Wyatt be the one to bring the demon back. Because that's what we need for Finn Balor. So, Raw right now, I will be completely honest with you, Ryan. When it comes to Raw and SmackDown, Raw is putting together more intriguing storylines. They really are. With you know, the whole Universal title picture. To the, 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 the Hardy Boys bringing back the broken gimmicks. To the women's division. To possibly a Seth and Dean shield reunion. Or the opposite, a Dean heel turn. The whole Miz and the Entourage situation. More compelling stories are now going on with Raw instead of SmackDown, which is really surprising because SmackDown has been very consistent since the brand split. But as of late, Raw has put together more better storylines. So heading into SummerSlam, it should be interesting to see what we're going to see on Raw for the next coming weeks, basically for the next month on Raw as we head into the SummerSlam season. So... We'll see what happens with that, and next week's role should be interesting, especially with Roman versus Joe. Winner gets Brock Lesnar for the Universal title, and hopefully during that match, we see Braun Strowman appear. So, Ryan, your thoughts on the rest of Raw? No, I agree with you, Brian. I think Raw has been very solid as of late. Uh, a lot of intriguing storylines uh, ever since the Superstar shakeup. I think they have been 
I mean, this is debatable. I guess it's a matter of opinion. But I've enjoyed Raw a lot more than I've been enjoying SmackDown. Not to say that I'm not enjoying SmackDown, and I don't think SmackDown's putting on bad shows at all. But I think Raw is obviously the must-see show uh, just because of everything that's been going on. And you got some good stuff going on uh, right now on Monday Night Raw. Like you said, uh, you have the Hardy Boys coming out this past week, basically teasing uh, even further that the broken gimmicks are coming. Uh, Jeff, like you said, talking about that line that he basically said everything, every single time that he was in TNA about fading away and classifying himself as obsolete. He said that a lot in TNA. Uh, that was basically his thing. So I was shocked when I heard him say that. And then, of course, Matt Hardy kind of talking uh, like he was broken, like he did when he was in TNA. And then, of course, he did say that they were broken. Um, and then, you know, led to a match with Gals and Anderson, which <laughs> they ended up picking up the win, which was very shocking. Like you said, they're probably next in line for Sheamus and Cesaro, but I don't know how that would go with heels against heels. But I guess we'll see what happens. We didn't see those two on Raw this past week. And then the Revival comes out, out of nowhere, returning and attacking the Hardy Boys. I don't really know what's going to be up there. I don't think that's going to be a real feud because, again, no titles on the line. So how big of a feud could it possibly be? But that was pretty cool, and it's great to see the Revival back in action. And I'm intrigued to see what the Hardys do next week. Like you said, Jeff and Matt actually both tweeted out next week's date. So we'll see what happens. I don't think the uh, you know TNA uh, reached an agreement with WWE about the, the rights to the, the gimmicks. I think Dave Meltzer confirmed that a couple of days ago. But, hey, who knows? Things change every single day in wrestling. So I guess we'll just wait and see. Uh, the Big Show and uh, Big Cast segment, I thought that was all right. I mean, I thought the brawl was <laughs> was awful. I thought that was just the worst brawl I've ever seen. I hope Big Cast evolves even more than he is right now because uh, he, I just I don't know, man. I don't know if he's a believable heel to me. I just watch him, and he just he seems like he, he needs more work, that's for sure. And uh, that brawl with Big Show could have been done a lot better. I would assume this is a, a match that they're going to be uh, putting together for SummerSlam, but I'm not intrigued at, at all. I'm really not. I'm not interested in it. I don't care about seeing the Big Show anymore. Uh, but I guess, you know, if Big Cass has to be that next guy, I guess going over the Big Show will make a huge statement. So I guess that's the reason why they're doing it. But whatever. We'll see what happens after that. Um, yeah, the Dean Ambrose stuff, I agree with you, Brian. I think it has to be a Dean Ambrose heel turn. I think that's way overdue. To me, he's so stale right now, he needs something. And uh, I just don't know what else he could possibly do right now. I don't want him involved with The Miz anymore. I want to see Seth Rollins feuding with The Miz now for the Intercontinental belt, hopefully at SummerSlam. And then uh, Bray Wyatt, too. Hopefully he's done with Seth Rollins. He did get another win over him this past week in the main event. But uh, hopefully he's on to bigger and better things. And... I hope it's a feud with Finn Balor. Like you said, what better person to get the demon to come back than Bray Wyatt? I think that would be awesome. Uh, just Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor, their lead-up to their match, I think that would be awesome to see. Uh, hopefully that happens because right now Finn Balor is doing nothing besides feuding with Elias Sampson, and we all know that that is complete garbage and a waste of Finn Balor. So, yeah, right now, Brian, Raw is doing good stuff, and uh, I'm intrigued to see what happens next week with the Kurt Angle stuff. Who was he talking about on the phone? Who is he revealing next week? Uh, a lot of people saying Dixie Carter, but uh, I'll believe that when I see that. Uh, could be the return of Stephanie McMahon and Triple H, but we will see. Should be good, though, and I'm intrigued to see what happens uh, come next week. As for SmackDown, uh, I didn't watch all of it last night. I saw bits and pieces of it. Uh, uh, we're starting to get a good indication of what's happening at Battleground. Uh, first and foremost, we forgot to mention this. We have a new United States champion uh, over the weekend as well at uh, WWE MSG. 
AJ Styles beat Kevin Owens for the United States Championship, and that was definitely a shocker. My first thought was, oh, they did this because Kevin Owens is hurt because he's been battling injuries from what I read, but that's not the case. Kevin Owens wrestled the next night, and he appeared on SmackDown, and now he's getting that rematch with AJ Styles, even though for some odd reason um, they took off the AJ Styles-Kevin Owens match at Battleground, but now it's back up. I'm not sure what that whole story is, but anyways, we're getting AJ-Kevin Owens for the United States Championship at Battleground. Uh, AJ kicked off the show, wanted to do the Open Challenge, the United States Open Challenge, and who comes out but the man that invented the Open Challenge for that belt, and that's John Cena. That was pretty cool to see. Led to a tag team match where it was Owens and Rusev versus uh, AJ and Cena. So seeing AJ and Cena together as a team was pretty cool to see. Um, that was good stuff. Uh, of course, uh, Cena versus Rusev is official at Battleground in a flag match, which to me is such a goofy, goofy, uh, uh, gimmicky matchup. Uh, we also have a uh, elimination match in the women's division of uh, Fatal Five Way. Uh, Natalia, Becky Lynch, uh, Charlotte, Tamina, and Lana. Uh, whoever wins that match will probably face um, uh, Naomi for the women's championship, probably at SummerSlam. That should be solid, I guess. Who's going to win that match? Who knows? Probably Charlotte, because she's, of course, the number one uh, women woman uh, in on the SmackDown Live roster. We're still. Basically anticipating to see what happens with Carmella in her briefcase. Uh, we saw some more uh, pushing between the New Day and the Usos in their storyline. Uh, Baron Corbin and Shinsuke Nakamura had their brawl. That match is also happening at uh, Battleground. So again, I, I'm not going to get into full details with SmackDown Live. I didn't get the chance to watch all of it last night. But uh, Battleground right now... The pay-per-view itself should be solid. I mean, you have, I think, six matches officially announced. Expect more. Probably Sami Zayn will take on Mike Kanellis. Maybe Ty Dillinger gets a matchup. Uh, the, the card's not official yet. We have one more week uh, for SmackDown before uh, Battleground, which will give our predictions, by the way, very, very soon as the show gets later on. But uh, overall, I, I guess SmackDown, from what I read, looks solid. Ron, did you check out SmackDown last night? If you did, your thoughts? Yeah, I did. I checked it out. Uh, you know, you didn't really miss anything. Not really much to uh, to really say besides, like you said, you basically mentioned all of it. They just made a couple more matches official for Battleground. Um, you had AJ Styles coming out at the beginning of the show with the U.S. title and basically saying he wants to do what John Cena did, have U.S. Open challenges every single week. Uh, so he issued one, and John Cena came out to uh, to to take the, the you know uh, to take that opportunity. And, you know, they announced the match, whatever, you know, they held up the title and they, they started it, the bell rang, but out comes Kevin Owens and uh, basically called up the whole entire match, uh, you know, talking, uh, shit-talking Cena, shit-talking AJ, and then uh, all of a sudden Rusev comes out and attacks John Cena, then uh, AJ helps Cena, he fights off Rusev, and then Owens attacks uh, Styles and then sets up that tag team match in the main event. Um, you know, Baron Corbin and Nakamura continue to feud, obviously, like you said. Uh, that match just made official for Battleground. Should be good stuff there. Uh, we still get some backstage segment with uh, Sami Zayn and Mike Kanellis. That'll probably be official for Battleground in about a week. Uh, probably be on the pre-show, but that should be a good first match for uh, Mike Bennett or Mike Kanellis. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, AJ Styles, Kevin Owens is, again, official for Battleground. I think they, you know, they took it off the advertisement, but they put it back on last night. Uh, we're getting, like you said, the elimination five-way with the uh, women to determine who faces Naomi at SummerSlam. Um, you know, we've got 
got some New Day uh, Usos match. I think uh, Xavier Woods or Kofi took on uh, Jay Uso or Jimmy Uso. Nothing really special there. That match is also happening at Battleground. Then we had a women's tag match. So nothing really too special that stood out on SmackDown. Not a lot went down. Uh, but basically, like you said, a couple more matches official for Battleground. So should be a very solid card. I, I'm, I'm pretty intrigued by the entire card. Uh, should be a good pay-per-view next week. We'll get into the predictions in a little bit. But uh, yeah, basically nothing else to really talk about with uh, SmackDown this past week. And really no mention of NXT again. It, it does happen tonight. The big thing going on with NXT is that Johnny Gargano is coming back. He, uh, From what I read with the spoilers, he's going to cut a promo. Uh, we'll see what he has to say about what's going on with his situation, his reaction to the whole Ciampa heel turn. Again, my personal belief with Gargano is that he's probably going to move to the main roster because there really isn't anything left for him to do in NXT. Again, they can always put him in the world title picture, but there's so many guys in that conversation where I really don't see Gargano getting that opportunity when you have to deal with Roderick Strong, when you have to deal with Drew McIntyre and Aleister Black and maybe Adam Cole once he signs finally. Also, Cassius Ono, Hideo Tommy should be in the mix. A lot of guys to overcome, and I don't think Gargano is going to succeed on his own in NXT. And I think going to the Cruiserweight division makes a little bit more sense because they need more credible challengers for Neville. And right now, there's nobody in that um, division right now that is believable to beat Neville. Nobody. The closest was Austin Aries. He's no longer with the company. Maybe Cedric Alexander, but they, for some reason, can't get out of this whole storyline with him and Noam Dar, which is just absurd that it keeps going on. It's been going on for, what, seven, eight months. It's so stupid. Um, so I definitely could see the possibility where Gargano does get moved up to the main roster, goes to 205 Live, and he's the one to beat Neville for that championship. So again, we'll find out what happens to that with NXT. Uh, for the May Young Classic, again, I mentioned early in the show, uh, tomorrow on Facebook Live, all 32 of the competitors in this tournament will be revealed. I think right now they've revealed about 15 to 16 women. I'm not sure what the number is, but all of them will be revealed tomorrow. Uh, I think the tapings actually begin tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, some news that have come out with the women who is in this tournament uh, today: Kaylee Ray and Aisha Raymond have been announced. I think that's how you pronounce Aisha Raymond. I think that's her. But Kaylee Ray is a big name. She was a pretty popular name on the independent scene for the women, uh, mostly with her work in uh, the UK. Uh, she is from Scotland, so you know, right there, she's got some exposure. Uh, on the independent scene there, but some tough news to announce regarding one uh, participant that was supposed to be involved in the tournament but won't be is Nixon Newell, who was going to be my pick to win because I'm such a big Nixon Newell fan. I think she's fantastic. She's not going to be in the tournament, unfortunately, because of an ACL injury. That's a huge bummer because I definitely think she could have been in the finals. That She's that really good, people. If you've not seen Nixon Newell wrestle, please check her out. She's really, really fun to watch. And I definitely think she could have been one of those people that could have made the finals. But she's not going to be in the tournament, and that's official. Such a shame because she would have been great for the tournament. But anyways, the field looks great from what we've seen right now. We got Tessa Blanchard. We got Kyrie Hojo, or now she's known as Kyrie Sane. We got Sarah Logan. We got Abby Lathor, formerly known as Kimberly. A lot of good names are in this tournament, and we'll find out every single buddy else uh, tomorrow uh, when they reveal all 32 competitors. And speaking of tournaments, the Battle of Los Angeles tournament, uh, the field, the entire field has been officially announced. We 
ran through most of the names, and here are the rest of the names. I'll go basically in order uh, on who's in this tournament to start from the beginning. So here are the 24 names that are going to be in this tournament. We have uh, Flamita, uh, Keith Lee, Walter, Travis Banks. Uh, we have Ray Phoenix, Desmond Xavier, Donovan Dijak. So far, so good with the names. Uh, next up, Jeff Cobb, Trevor Lee, and Flash Morgan Webster. Moving on, we got uh, a former bowler winner, Zach Sabre Jr., the uh, the former PWG champion, by the way. Congratulations to Chuck Taylor on winning the title. Uh, Zach Sabre Jr., Sammy Guevara, Mark Haskins, and uh, Jonah Rock making his PWG debut. Uh, and then the rest of the 10 was announced last night. We have Penna L0M, another former bowler champion, Ricochet, as well as the defending champion, Marty Skrull, uh, Ray Horace, Brian Cage, Michael Elgin, Matt Seidel, T.K. Cooper, interesting name, Matt Riddle, and Sammy Callahan. So those are the 24 names in that tournament. Great field. Some surprises on who's not in it. I'm really shocked that Will Ospreay's not in it. He was he was a part of it the past two years. Maybe he's got something planned that weekend. But I'm really shocked that Osprey didn't make the cut with the uh, uh, Battle of Los Angeles for reasons I'm not so sure. But anyways... The field looks great. Who is my early prediction to win? I mean, it could be. It's a toss-up. I mean, it could be uh, Zach Saber Jr. again. It could be Ricochet again. Heck, it could be even Marty Skrull again. He can win back-to-back years. But I think I definitely think we're gonna get a new champion. Who is the favorite from that group? Trevor Lee to me is a guy that stands out. He made the finals last year. This is his fourth Battle of Los Angeles, and I definitely think it's a time for him to get to take the next step. Uh, speaking of Lee's, Keith Lee should be a favorite because of his size and his popularity. Same goes for Matthew Riddle. He's another guy to keep an eye on. But also keep an eye on a guy, Travis Banks. A guy, no strangers to winning tournaments. He won the Super Strong Style 16 tournament. Keep an eye on him. Keep an eye on Sammy Callahan. Keep an eye on um, uh, basic Michael Elgin. Can win the, anyone can win this tournament. You don't know who's the favorite, though. Marty Skull should be the favorite because he won it last year. Zach Sabre Jr. and Ricochet should not be that far behind either. But uh, it's a great field no matter what. A lot of great names. Some debuts as well. Morgan Webster, Walter, Travis Banks, TK Cooper. All these guys making their PWG debuts. Good for them. Donovan Dijak as well. Very popular name making his debut. So overall, Ryan, Mayon Classic, Battle of Los Angeles, two highly anticipated tournaments. We're starting to get a good idea of who's going to be in the tournament. And we're at a point right now where we have to start making predictions. Who is the favorite? Who has the best chance of winning? What could be the finals of each tournament? So, Ryan, overall, your thoughts on both the May Young Classic as well as the uh, the Battle of Los Angeles 2017. Yeah, two great fields. Um, of course, like you said, all the guys are official for BOLA 2017, which is awesome. I mean, the field looks great. A lot of uh, unknowns for myself. I haven't uh, been familiar with some of the names in this tournament, but I'm happy about that because I want to be introduced to a lot of new stars, and this is uh, definitely a way to do that. Uh, Very unpredictable. I kind of have an idea of who I think is going to win, but I will give that prediction when we do predict it uh, when the time gets closer. But uh, very unpredictable. Uh, So many different guys could win it. Uh, It's going to be another awesome tournament. Like you said, it is shocking not to see names like Will Ospreay in there. Um, I kind of got to figure why. You got to really wonder. Uh, but maybe he has a, a booking already that weekend, like you said, or something else. Uh, 
you know, who knows? I mean, maybe he didn't want to participate in it. I don't know what's up with Will Ospreay lately. We really haven't seen much of him since, uh, you know, losing the uh, best of the Super Juniors. I really haven't seen his name popping up. Obviously, wasn't really a part of, uh, you know, New, New Japan uh, G1. Especially, he was involved in like a couple of the tag matches, but really wasn't featured highly in that. So it was very forgettable. Uh, but I gotta wonder what's up with him lately, and that's very strange that he's not a part of that. But you can't really discredit PWG. They have a great field on hand. Uh, I'm really excited for the tournament, of course. And then the May Young Classic too. It looks like it's gonna be awesome. Very intrigued by that. Again, some unknown names uh, to me. I don't, I'm don't. i not familiar with some of these girls going down the list here, but I'm happy about that because I want to get to know uh, some new people. Uh, the ones that they have that I do know, like Tony Storm, uh, Tessa Blanchard, Rachel Ellering, Kaylee Ray. I mean, the list goes on and on. Awesome names. I mean, awesome. And the whole entire field will be set tomorrow, like you said. So definitely looking forward to see that. Uh, to be to, should be two awesome tournaments. I mean, really should. I think, like you said, the uh, May Young Classic tapings do go on um, soon. I don't know if it's this weekend or if it's next week, but it is soon. Uh, it was mid-July. I'm going to double-check the date a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, it's going to be a great tournament. I'm looking forward to seeing it released. Uh, it's all released at one time, so that's pretty cool stuff there. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to two great tournaments this summer. Uh, should be awesome. Uh, uh, before we get into our, our another tournament prediction, which is a G1 Climax, which happens this weekend or the beginning of next week, we got to get our thoughts on the Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor situation. Uh, yesterday, for the first time uh, since the fight was announced not too long ago, we had our first press conference uh, between Floyd and Conor promoting their fight, which I believe is August the 26th. I got to double check on that. I know it's late August. I'm not sure the exact date, but... It is somewhere around late August is when that fight's going down. But we had our first taste of a preview between Floyd and, and Conor McGregor. Uh, trying to bring up the fight. Uh, yes, August 26th is the fight at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, from what I looked at it, I didn't watch the entire thing. I watched highlights of it. I mean, ESPN's got that covered big time because it's a big fight. Um, from what I saw, I mean, is what I expected. Conor McGregor was Conor McGregor. He's the cocky guy that is going to make fun of his opponent in a funny manner because Conor McGregor is that guy. He's a funny guy, very charismatic. Uh, he basically wore a suit yesterday, and it looked like it was like a striped suit, but instead it was not stripes. It was just lettering that said F-U, basically, which I thought was pretty hysterical. Uh, Floyd dressed up in a jumpsuit, basically wearing a hat, a sweatshirt, blah, blah, blah. But uh, in the Mike Verbage battle, Conor McGregor will always be Floyd Mayweather. Floyd's got charisma, but not the charisma that Conor has. But uh, again, you know, we're still a long ways away from this fight. We're over a month till the fight happens. Uh, you, you have to think Floyd Mayweather is the favorite to win because this is his sport. This is boxing. This is not UFC where... Uh, Connor can have an advantage of taking down his opponent, do some um, jiu-jitsu, do some submissions on him. This is going to be straight up, stand up, throwing fists at each other, and Floyd Mayweather can do that. Um, if I was a betting man, yeah, I would bet on Floyd Mayweather winning this fight, but... A lot of people don't think Connor's going to touch Floyd. I disagree. I definitely think Connor's going to at least get some shots on Floyd. Is he going to knock out Floyd? Who the heck knows? But don't discredit Connor McGregor and his inability to hit somebody. All right, Connor McGregor can hit you. All right, a lot of people thought that he was not going to touch Josie Aldo when they fought each other. He knocked out Josie Aldo within what 15, 30 seconds. So 
the guy can hit you. He's hitting the he's hitting the Diaz a lot of times. He can knock you out. It's going to be tough because Floyd can play the defensive game and he does it very well. But there's a lot of people and people that have commented on my post yesterday about the Instagram that says Connor's not going to touch Floyd. Don't say that. You don't know for sure. I'm not saying Connor's going to beat Floyd. I still think Floyd's going to win the fight. If I had to make an early prediction. But in terms of Connor hitting Floyd, that is a great possibility because why not? It's Connor McGregor. He can knock your lights out. So overall, for my first impressions of it, again, this is going to be the biggest event of the year. No question about it. And it's going to be one of the biggest events in history. No question about that. All right. This is boxing versus UFC. It's happened before. But not to the extent like this, all right? This is the biggest, the best boxer in the world. One of the greatest boxers of all time in Floyd Mayweather, who's 49-0, versus one of, if not the best, UFC fighter on the planet today in Conor McGregor. That's up for debate. A lot of people think there are other guys that are better than Conor, but without question, though, Conor McGregor is the most popular fighter in the UFC. If anyone disagrees, you don't watch the sport. You don't follow the sport like uh, I do or other people do. Connor is that popular. So it's going to be exciting, no doubt about that. The build-up is going to be fantastic for the fight itself. We're going to have to wait and see what's going to go down. But, um, yeah, from my first impressions yesterday, Connor McGregor will always be Floyd when it comes to verbal battles. But the talking will go down in the ring, and that's Floyd's playground. So Floyd should have the upper advantage, but don't discount Connor McGregor when it comes to taking Floyd out with a punch. Connor said, fourth round, I'm knocking your ass out. Is that going to happen? Who knows, but to me, will Conor hit Floyd? Absolutely. Why shouldn't he? He's Conor McGregor. So, Ryan, if you watched the press conference, your thoughts on this whole thing so far with Floyd and Conor and early expectations for the fight on August 26th? Uh, yeah, no, I did not uh, see the press conference, but, of course, uh, there's no avoiding the highlights. It's everywhere online. It's on ESPN, like you said. Uh, so I did see what went down and, and the video clips of the trash talk between the two. And it's, it's of course, it's funny stuff. You know, if you've been watching Conor McGregor, uh, you know, in his UFC fights and in all of his press conferences, uh, you know, you know that he's a great trash talker and he's hilarious when he does it. The things that he says are very funny. Um, and, you know, again, he believes in himself. He is so confident in, in himself. Uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, some people could call it cocky. Some people can say, oh, he runs his mouth too much. Yeah, he does, but you know what? He backs it up 90% of the time. So, uh, you know, again, I have no problem if you talk shit and back it up. I mean, again, there's nothing wrong with that in my book. And you, like you said, Brian, is he going to knock out Floyd like he says he is? I don't know. I mean, he could, but, I, you know, if I'm putting money down, I'm putting it on Floyd Mayweather, obviously. This is his sport, and he's not 49-0 for no reason. Uh, but, of course, I wouldn't count out Conor McGregor at all. It only takes one shot. I know, you know, this is boxing and he's going to be wearing those big boxing gloves, but that could be Conor's advantage as well. I mean, if he hits as hard as he does, you know, with the UFC glove on, imagine with a freaking boxing glove. I mean, it's, it's going to be something to see. Let me tell you, uh, these press conferences are, are good lead up for that fight. Uh, I mean, they're doing like four in a row. They did one yesterday, doing today, the one doing one tomorrow, and they're doing one on Friday. Uh, so I don't know how much more talk you're going to possibly have. Uh, leading up to this, but the fight's going to be soon. It's going to be here before we know it, August 26th. I'm ready for it. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Hope Connor shocks the world because I'm a big Connor McGregor guy. Uh, again, he's like you said, Brian, he's the most popular guy out there right now. I know a lot of people will be pulling for him to 
uh, you know, shock the world, and I hope he does just that. So we'll see what goes down. But, yeah, I mean, how can you not be entertained by the press conferences and the trash talk between the two? Uh, it's great stuff. It really is. All right, so we, we'll talk about that, of course, when we get closer to the floyd Connor fight, which, again, happens August 26th in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, let's jump right into Brian, uh, excuse me, Ryan. Uh, the G1 Climax Tournament, which will happen, I believe it begins this Sunday is when the first uh, night of the G1 happens. Um, again, it's a, almost a month event, basically. I think there's, what, uh, 17 nights or 18 nights of matches in this tournament. But the G1 Climax Tournament, you can make an argument, is the biggest tournament in wrestling because the stakes are huge. Whoever wins this tournament will main event Wrestle Kingdom to the ter- uh, Wrestle Kingdom, uh, whatever Wrestle Kingdom it is, for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Uh, we saw last year Kenny Omega won the tournament, and to me that wasn't a overall shock because you know Kenny Omega, uh, after watching that press conference of his, uh, you just had a good feeling that he was going to win the tournament. He did, and of course him and Okada had a tremendous matchup at Wrestle Kingdom 11. So. Who's going to win it this year? It's a great question to ask because the field is very, very strong. And a lot of guys, there's a lot of guys that could win this tournament. All right, Kenny Omega could make, could be one of those guys that can win uh, back-to-back tournaments. That really wouldn't surprise me because Kenny Omega is one of the best in the world. And people want to see him versus Conor McGregor. I'm sorry, uh, Okada for another time for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Tetsuya Naito should be considered a favorite among the field because he's Tetsuya Naito and is a guy that beat Okada once before for that championship. Kota Ibushi is another guy that people are picking to win this tournament because Kota's back, and there has to be a reason why Kota is back. Uh, Kota Ibushi is back as himself and not under the moniker of Tiger Mask W. So there's so many guys that can win this tournament, all right? If I, again, I threw out that storyline... With Kota Bushi winning the tournament, he main events Wrestle Kingdom 12. Kenny Omega beats Okada for the championship at the next the, that last big event for New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is I think it's Kings of Pro Wrestling, which it's called. He beats Okada for the belt there. Then we have Omega versus Ibushi for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, main eventing Wrestle Kingdom 12. Is that going to happen? The more I look at it, <clears throat> excuse me. The more I don't see it because we're getting Omega Okada 3 in the G1 Climax. And I don't see them going with a fourth matchup. That's just my opinion. A lot of people think there will be a fourth matchup. I don't see it. I think we're just going to get this matchup in the G1. And that's pretty much it. Um, so I think that throws out the possibility of Kota Ibushi winning. I mean, maybe you never know. Maybe they want to do Kota Ibushi versus Okada at Wrestle Kingdom 12, which I would love to see. But, uh... My pick, though, Ryan, is Naito. I think he's the guy. And I said this for a number of times that Tetsuya Naito should be back in the heavyweight title scene. He was Intercontinental Champion for a long time. Finally dropped that belt to Tanahashi at Dominion. I think it's time for him to get back in the world title picture. Right? He's, he's probably more popular than he's ever been before. Uh, he's getting a lot more popularity, a lot more steam in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And he deserves another opportunity to become the heavyweight champion. And his... LIJ faction has been really strong. They keep getting stronger with, you know, Bushi, Evil, and Sonata uh, holding the, the, the three-man tag team titles. Hiromu Takahashi having the year he's having. 
this is the hottest they've ever been as a faction. And what better way to continue this faction to grow than by having Nidal become champion. So it's going to be a heck of a tournament, no doubt about that. I cannot wait to see the matches. Omega caught a three. And so many other great matches are going to go down. But when I look at the field, I think the three favorites in this tournament are Naito, Ibushi, and Omega. Uh, but personally, in my opinion, I think Naito's going to be the guy. It could be Ibushi. Would that shock me if he wins? Not necessarily. Will, will Omega win shock me? Maybe. Because I don't see New Japan going back-to-back, -back with, especially with a foreigner. I mean, they could do it with a, New, with a Japan guy. They did it with Tanahashi before. But with a foreigner like Omega, I don't see it happening. I don't see Okada winning either. So, to me, it's either Ibushi or Naito, and I think it's going to be Naito. So, Ryan, who is your pick to win the G1 Climax Tournament? Yeah, I think it's Tetsuya Naito. Um, you know, I don't think Kenny Omega's going back-to-back. -back. It's very tough to do. Uh, I was surprised he won it the first year. I don't think he's winning it again. I think it's way too obvious, even though he deserves to win it again, and we do deserve to get Kenny Omega and Okada again at the Dome next year. Uh, I just don't see it happening. I think we're getting something brand new. Uh, which, you know, it's not really brand new. We've seen Naito and Okada, but not at the Tokyo Dome before. And I think uh, this recent Intercontinental uh, Championship run by Tetsuya Naito really did wonders for him. And I think uh, that really benefited, uh, he really benefited from that. So I think he wins the G1 and faces Okada next year at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, you know, as for Kenny Omega, I think it's him and Cody Rhodes uh, at Wrestle Kingdom next year. I, you know, you could see the feud brewing already. I think, you know, they're going to keep teasing that they're going to disband or that Cody's going to turn on them. Uh, and then I think that's going to cause uh, a feud and have that match at the Tokyo Dome. I think that's how it's going to go down. Um, I don't think Kota Ibushi really has any shot of winning. I do hope he comes back to New Japan as Kota Ibushi full-time, though. Uh, that would be pretty cool. But I don't think he has any shot of winning again. Really random that he's even in it. Uh, kind of doesn't make sense. A guy like Tetsuya Naito deserves it more than Kota Ibushi does because Naito has been doing such great work in New Japan. He deserves to be recognized for that. And it could create a huge story. It could be very intriguing. Naito can threaten Okada by saying, you know, if he takes the IWGP heavyweight title, he'll do the same thing he did to the Intercontinental belt, which is just destroy it and damage it in every single way. And it'll create for some good storyline, and uh, it'll be a good match between those two. So I hope that's how it goes down. I think that's how I see it going. So, uh, yeah, Tetsuya Naito is my prediction to win the G1 Climax this year. And I definitely think in terms of storyline, I think Naito's story with Okada would be the most interesting. Because like you said, if Naito wins the tournament, he can throw in Okada, like you said, Ryan. I'll beat you for that belt, and I'm going to destroy that belt the way I destroyed the uh, the Intercontinental title. So that definitely motivate Okada to keep that belt and do his absolute best to not let Naito win it. So, again, it's a huge toss-up. A lot of guys can win this tournament. The, the favorites in this tournament, again, in my opinion, are Naito, Ibushi, and Omega. But, again, I think Omega has his reasons why he's not going to win because... You know, he won it last year. I don't think another uh, two years in a row we're going to see a foreigner win uh, that same tournament. And he's also the United States champion. Uh, if he drops that belt, I definitely think Omega could win. But he's not going to drop that belt anytime soon from what we're hearing. And Ibushi could be Ibushi. But again, Ryan, it just came out of nowhere. Uh, is he go is he more deserving than Naito? No, not at this moment because Naito's having a heck of a year. And another Naito-Okada storyline would be must-see television. So... Should be interesting to see again. We're going to get great matches, no doubt about that. We saw some great matches last year in the tournament. Not going to be different this year. And it's a toss-up on who's going to win. But me and Ryan both agree, 
We're going to see if the Sea of Knights will win this tournament and main event Wrestle Kingdom 12, probably against Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. So we'll see what happens with that. Now let's finally move ahead, Ryan, to our predictions for Battleground, which happens next Sunday. Not this Sunday. Uh, next Sunday. Um... So here are the matches right now that are official. There are six matches. We're probably going to get about maybe one or two more. Again, don't be surprised if we have uh, Mike Canellas versus Sami Zayn. Maybe Ty Dillinger gets a matchup with somebody. Maybe we see a tag team match. Who knows? But uh, here are these six matches that are official. So we're going to make our predictions on these six matches. First off, we have uh, the fatal five-way elimination match to determine the number one contender for the women's title at SummerSlam, Charlotte. Becky, Natalia, Tamina, and Lana. Again, you know, I think it's going to be Charlotte. Even though she's right now playing the face role, out of all these women, she makes the most sense. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they give it to Natalia or Tamina because they're heels. I don't see Lana getting another opportunity, by the way. I think if there's anybody that has no chance to win this match, it's definitely Lana. But to me, a Charlotte-Naomi match seems more interesting than the other matches. Again, this is SummerSlam. You want to have a lot of great matches. You want to have a huge card. And to me, for the Women's Championship, a Naomi... Uh, a Naomi... Um, oh, I think we lost Ryan for a bit. I got to bring Skype back up. Uh, let me bring this back up. Sorry about that, folks. But uh, Charlotte and um, Naomi... Uh, wait, we're having some technical difficulties right now, uh, folks. Uh, just hang in for a bit. I gotta fix this up. Hold on. Alright guys, we are back live. Sorry about that. Some technical difficulties. But uh, like I was saying, you know, with the women's uh, title matchup, I definitely think Charlotte makes the absolute most sense when it comes to it. Um, as Ryan's calling me back right now. Uh, Ryan, you there, buddy? I'm here. Yeah, sorry. Uh, disconnection on my part. So I was uh, giving my say on the matchup uh, for the, that women's matchup at uh, Battleground again. Which is possible matches for SummerSlam. I, 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 like I said before, I think Charlotte makes the most sense because it's the most interesting one. It's SummerSlam. You want the best card possible. And I think a Naomi-Charlotte match makes more is more interesting than other matches. But it's a toss-up. It could be Tamina. It could be Natalia. But in my opinion, I'm going to pick Charlotte to win this match to face Naomi for the women's title at SummerSlam. Yeah, I think so, too. I think uh, that's the big money matchup in the women's division right now for SmackDown Live. I think, you know, Charlotte has to be the challenger featured in the big-time matchup like that. Um, the only other person I could really see winning is Becky Lynch, but uh, I think they're going to go with Charlotte. All right, moving on to our next matchup. It is a flag match, John Cena versus Rusev. Very goofy, gimmicky matchup. I hate these types of matches that just, to me, are just so stupid. A flag match just makes no sense. Just have Cena versus Rusev one-on-one with no stipulation. But uh, we mentioned on the podcast last week, this is a terrible situation for Rusev. You know, he's coming back. He wants to make a bigger impact. And he wants to be a part of a world title matchup. And he's just not going to get that, especially 
when he has to face John Cena. All right, I do not see Cena coming back losing in his first match, or not his first match back, but one of his first matches back. I don't see that happening, especially if the rumor is true that we could get Cena versus uh, Jinder Mahal at SummerSlam. There's no way Cena's losing this matchup, so I do believe in those rumors. I think we're going to see Cena versus Mahal at SummerSlam, and it makes no sense for, if that's the case, makes no sense for Cena to lose this matchup. So give me John Cena to beat Rusev in the flag match. After this is over, where does Rusev go? Who the heck knows? But he's not going to win this matchup, so give me John Cena for the win. Yeah, uh, I think John Cena obviously takes the win, too, here. It's his return match. He's not going to lose uh, a flag match. I'm trying to even remember what a flag match is. Uh, we haven't seen it in quite some time. Again, another stupid stipulation, another stupid match concept uh, in WWE. It, it, again, it's just going to be John Cena and Rusev. We've seen these two before. Uh, it, it's going to be nothing special again. I think this is just to get John Cena over uh, to build some more momentum towards a possible match with Jinder Mahal at SummerSlam, like you said. Uh, so there's no shot John Cena loses here. And unfortunately for Rusev, well, comes back and he's not getting much right off the bat. So uh, we'll see what his future is. But yeah, John Cena gets the win here. All right, moving on. To, we got the uh, the New Day versus the Usos for the tag team titles. Again, a rematch from uh, their recent encounter at Money in the Bank. Um, this is tough to call here because I can see both sides getting the chance to win. I can see the Usos retain, but I can also see the New Day take the belts off the Usos. This is a tough one to call here, but I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to keep the belts in the Usos. Why not? They've been on such a great role as champions. New Day wins would not shock me, but right now I want to keep the belt on the new, on the Usos. Keep them rolling right now. I th I think you, get, you should have them once again cheat to win again to set up another match at SummerSlam because I think this feud should go on for the rest of the summer because there's no other tag team out there that is worthy enough to facing the Usos for those belts if they do beat the New Day. I mean, it could be the Fashion Police, but right now they're doing more things with the Fashion Files than they are doing with matches. So uh, right now, keeping the belts in the Usos, uh, I think they're going to win again by cheating to set up another match at SummerSlam. But uh, give me the Usos to retain their belts. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, uh, it's tough to call. I can definitely see the New Day picking up the win here out of nowhere. Uh, but again, I, I think it's safe bet is to... Uh, have the Usos retain here by cheating again, which sets up another match at SummerSlam. Uh, because you got to think that there's going to be a tag team title match for SmackDown at SummerSlam. Uh, and again, I just don't see any other tag team besides those two involved in that matchup. So uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Usos as well by cheating. That sets up a third match, maybe with the stipulation. Who the hell knows? But uh, I hope that's what happens. So I think the Usos retain. All right, next matchup to me is the toughest matchup to predict. Shinsuke Nakamura versus Baron Corbin. It's so tough to pick because both guys deserve to win. Corbin deserves to win because he's Mr. Money in the Bank, and losing a match really wouldn't look great on Baron Corbin. Nakamura needs to win to keep his momentum going because Shinsuke's still a new talent to a lot of the fans. You want to keep him on the right track, and him losing to Corbin will hurt Nakamura a little bit. Not that much, but a little bit. So... If there's any matchup that is so tough to predict, it's definitely this match. Because either side could win this match. It should be solid. It, it should be a solid match between both guys. But I'm going to be honest with you, Ryan. I think this ends in a no contest. I really don't know who to pick. Because, again, for, for great reasons. Baron Corbin should win this match because he's Mr. Money in the Bank. And him losing will not look great. And the singles for Nakamura. Him losing will not look great because he's the newest star on... On SmackDown Live and him losing a match would not really look good on his resume. So 
It's really tough to call. I could definitely see Nakamura win by a Corbin disqualification. Maybe Nakamura does beat Corbin clean or something else happens. But I'm actually going to change my pick. I'm going to have Nakamura win the match, but by disqualification. Then Corbin gets frustrated. He beats up Nakamura a little bit more, at least with disqualification. It's not going to be a clean finish whatsoever. Whoever wins this matchup is not going to be a clean finish. But give me Nakamura to win the match, but because of a Corbin disqualification. Yeah, again, you know, this is also uh, another one to uh, that's very difficult to predict, like you said. But I'm going to go with Nakamura as well. Uh, you know, Baron Corbin does need to win, but we've seen in the past, we've seen Money in the Bank holders lose matches and then uh, still end up cashing in when the time is right to become champion. So, I mean, he doesn't necessarily have to win this match. Uh, he doesn't necessarily have to remain strong. Again, he has the Money in the Bank. It's basically the golden ticket. You can s just go in there at any time. Uh, no, the guy's down, the champion's down, and cash in out of nowhere. You don't need to actually look strong. He could lose every single match and still sneak attack, you know, whether it's John Cena or Jinder Mahal, and still become champ. So I'm going to go with Nakamura, beating him clean. Uh, again, not going to do many favors for him, but like I said, it's, uh, you know, again, he has the money in the bank. He'll eventually become champion. He does not need to win all the way up to his title win because we know when he be does become champion, he'll be winning a lot from there. So I'm going to go with Nakamura. I think Nakamura needs it uh, more than Baron Corbin does. Uh, next matchup is for the United States Championship. AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens. Easy pick here. It could be Kevin Owens, but to me, AJ Styles will retain this belt. I, I don't see a reason why he should drop this belt. He just won the belt this past weekend. Dropping the belt back to Owens really wouldn't make sense. That's just them hot potatoing the championship, which they should not do. So I would give the I would keep the belt on AJ. Should be another fantastic match. It's probably going to be the match of the night because those two just know how to work together. Uh, they just have that great chemistry. So should be a fantastic matchup. But in my opinion, AJ Styles will retain the United States Championship. Yeah, there's no shot AJ loses his belt. They just made a huge deal about him winning the belt at Madison Square Garden. Uh, I don't really know why they took it off of uh, Kevin Owens, but again, you know, his title run had to come to an end sometime. Um, so AJ Styles, I think, will retain this belt. I think it's going to be a tremendous match like it always is between those two guys. And we'll see what they do between those two at uh, SummerSlam. I'm very intrigued to see what happens uh, with Owens and Styles. After this, I mean, does their food continue? Who knows? We'll see how the match goes down. But either way, I do see AJ Styles retaining here. And finally, in the main event, <clears throat> the Punjabi prison match making its return to the WWE for the first time, I believe, in 9, 10 years. Who knows? But we do have a Punjabi prison match. Jinder Mahal versus Randy Orton probably going to be the final time these two face each other for that title. Easy pick here. Probably the easiest pick of the night. Jinder Mahal will not lose this match. He will remain heavyweight champion and probably defend that belt at SummerSlam versus John Cena. That's my prediction there. I mean, my expectations for the match, it should be okay, I guess. I mean, I am i don't really remember the Punjabi prison matches back then when we had, what, Batista, Great Khali, and Taker, Big Show. I think those are the only two Punjabi prison matches in the history uh, in the company. So, um, I guess it should be solid, but... I'm just happy this feud is going to be over with by by that Sunday because the feud as of late has gone a little bit stale. We need some new fresh feuds. Uh, and I definitely think Jinder Mahal retaining the belt makes more sense because, you know, Randy Orton winning the belt back really doesn't make sense. So should be, I guess, a good matchup. But easy decision here booking-wise. Mahal will retain the WWE title and will defend it at SummerSlam versus John Cena. So give me Mahal for the win. 
yeah, I think it's going to be entertaining. I mean, a lot of people are laughing and think it's stupid, but you know what? It's different. It's something fresh, something new, something we haven't seen in 10 years, for God's sake. Uh, the structure looks pretty cool, whether you want to say uh, it's dumb because it's made out of bamboo or not. I mean, it's, it's, it's made out of some pretty strong bamboo, obviously. It has to be strong if you're going to climb it. Uh, I do like how there's two of them, so like if you escape one, uh, you still have to escape another one. It's basically like two uh, mini steel cages. Uh, except it's made out of bamboo. I think it's going to be cool. I'm intrigued. I'm excited to see how it all plays out. We're getting it on SmackDown next week, too. Jinder Mahal says he's bringing the structure to SmackDown, so we'll get a little taste of what we're going to see at Battleground. But like you said, Brian, Jinder Mahal is not losing this match, nor should he. Uh, he has to, you know, this is his gimmick match, basically. He was the one that picked this. Uh, you know, obviously he's from India, so it makes sense. He cannot lose the belt here. Uh, this will be, you know, the final chapter between him and Randy Orton, finally, thank God. And then Jinder Mahal could move on to John Cena, which, again, will be another huge step in his career because I think uh, John Cena could definitely make him into a much bigger star than he already is right now. So I'm intrigued by that. So I think Jinder Mahal has to win here. I hope he wins, and I think he does. So I think it's going to be entertaining. Uh, looking forward to it again. Looking forward to this whole feud with Randy Orton finally coming to an end and him moving on to bigger and better things. All right, so there are your predictions for both the G1 Climax and Battleground. Again, guys, if you haven't heard, I'm going on vacation, so we will not have a show, I believe, for at least next week. When I do come back, I'm not sure. It's the 25th or the 26th. I'm not sure what day that is, if it's a weekday or not. But I'll let you guys know when I get back, if we will have a show. When I get back, I'm not sure what day that will be, but there is no show next week, so I'm happy for the vacation. Taking a little bit of time off, but uh, when we get back, of course, there's going to be a lot of talk about. we got to basically break down Battleground, give our recap for that, uh, give our thoughts, of course, on what's going on in the G1 Climax. The May Young Classic will begin their tapings. Uh, definitely more talk about the Floyd Mayweather-Conor McGregor fight. Maybe some more news coming out in the wrestling world. So there's going to be a lot to talk about when I do get back from vacation. So looking forward for the time off, and we'll see you guys really, really soon. Again, you want to follow us on social media, go right ahead on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. Follow us on Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. If you happen to miss us live on itsyourradio.com, don't forget, check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. This episode will be up by tomorrow, so check us out. Leave us a rating. Give us your thoughts on our, on how our show is going. So that's all the time we got, people. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you guys in the next coming weeks. I'm Brian Sendek. 